Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net. Christopher Media, let's make some noise. From Asthma Core Studios near Detroit, Michigan, it's Unregimented. Gangsters, what's up, guys? And now, here are your hosts. Number 226, Chris. I'm Aaron. I'm Rich. Sorry, I'm amped up. Drink coffee. <laughs> Woke Ready up this morning jacked up. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Woke up jacked. <laughs> so how, I don't understand how the White House keeps in in business at all, right? I, there's, aren't, there's way more announcements of people leaving the White House than coming on. Well, are they just like sneaking people in? I mean, I don't get it. I, I, but my job, I always try to tell people if you're constantly hiring and firing people, you got a culture problem. But you know, yeah. what do I know? Right. So, yeah, worst worst workplaces I've ever worked. It's a revolving door. Yep. Well, I don't understand how. Okay, so Trump lost his fourth communications director this week. Hope Hicks. I really honestly didn't even know who the fuck she was she the until one who, she got fired. Did she replace the mooch? Right. Scotto mooch, Scotto mooch. Yeah. <laughs> like, and also she was kind of hot, so I, I just had to scared, get that out of the way. She's 29. Way to make me feel like underachiever. The Scaramucci was, I mean, he was on TV a lot, and then after he was fired, probably even more. Yeah, he and, was on Bill Maher after he was fired. Right, I think he's... I think he's gotten uh, he's gotten a lot more airtime for being fired by Trump than than he did hi- being hired by him. But what I mean, as a how can Hope Hicks have done her job for however many months she was doing it? And I've not see, seen her face anywhere, like or heard from her. She's a communications. She, sure, she was a communications director, right? So she he hired a shy person as a communications director. Dude, maybe I, it's Trump. Anything's possible. We know this. Maybe, maybe, I, maybe I got maybe I got more of a crush on her than I thought because I, I see her all the time. Yeah, I mean, I, I just sent you. I just sent you a picture of her, and she's sitting there with that. Yeah, I'm a naughty girl. Look on her face. She knows what she's doing. Oh, sure. Oh, pictures hey. of her. How's it going? She's oh. attractive. She's wow. A, yeah, she's the next model. She worked at the White House. What I'm saying is, is that like she wasn't on the news shows. She well, she's not the she's not the mouthpiece. I think she was more of a maybe her role was more of a Steve Bannon type. You know he's there, but you don't see him. Yeah, I mean, not not necessarily in what Steve Bannon did, but I think how it's more like nobody really knows what she does. Was it well, Erica B. Like, Sanders? Trump, isn't it her job to talk to the people? Exactly. Trump? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Trump wanted some eye candy around the office, and so he was like, "Well, this position's open." Here. Doesn't really matter. People just come and go, and I just grab whoever's walking by and say, "Hey, this is what I need." I mean, clearly the the well, so cl- there's so not did. a lot of uh, clear job description here. Like, I don't know. The the it's every week. Hope Hicks is is gone after however many months. There's a new story out today that McMaster is leaving. Um, there's been stories run, it, it seems like, every other week about how John Kelly's leaving, even though we haven't had any official announcement on that. But the 
I mean, we've talked about it before. This is what businessmen do. And he's a business. I mean, he's a bad businessman, but he's a businessman. Yeah. This is what they do. They, okay, what have you done for me lately? Or I'm going to use you. And when I get what I want out of you, see you later. Have a nice one. Your usefulness to me is, is, is gone. And people like to gossip. I mean, if you're to believe the, um, a lot of the stories of, about people going off the record about what Trump is saying about, uh, you know, like Jeff Sessions and, well, Jeff Sessions especially because like, I, he is not even privately, he's publicly lambasted that man and he still has a job. But Trump seemed to have nothing bad to say about Hope Hicks and then she went before... Was it the House Intelligence Committee? And she, that's where she was quoted as saying that at times she has had to tell white lies for Trump. Yeah, he's, he, yeah he's, he's not in his office fucking a porn star. Well, it was after that that she suddenly quit. And everyone's like, oh, well, she, she told a little bit of the truth to the House Intelligence Committee and now she's out of a job. And the White House is like, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, no. This was planned months ago. I don't know if that's the story that you want to go with. You hired a person four months ago, and then she quit, and you say, oh, no, we had this all planned months ago. No, I'm just going to work. Because as soon as she got into her job, she said, fuck this place. I'm planning my exit now. Yeah, I'm just going to work the story from like, that you want to go with. Thanksgiving to St. Patrick's Day, and then you guys can figure it out after that. That's essentially what you were saying she said. And there, there's stories about her like, being chewed out by Trump afterward. It seemed like she was being pretty loyal, too. She, she talked about, I don't know what her involvement was during the campaign, but apparently she was around enough for them to ask her questions. She answered all the questions about the campaign and refused to answer any questions about anything that happened since Trump became president. I think, you know, carrying the line of this is uh, executive privilege, right? Isn't that the one they use when this, you know, they can't talk about conversations that they had with the president? I think, don't you think that the, just the term executive privilege would send the founding fathers spinning in their graves? That there's some sort of privilege to the people that are elected. Not a duty, but a privilege. Those are two different things. Privileges are things that like royalty has. They are, well, they are privileged because of their bloodline. We've also had a, a segment of society who has decided to redefine the term privilege because a privilege is also something that can be taken away. But now it means something that you, it's inherent, you're born with. You know, and and you somehow you never you can never get rid of it. You can't renounce your privilege. There's no way. So, I mean, sure. it, it all depends. It all depends on whose definition you're going with, because you got a bunch of goalposts moving going on. Well, I'm, I'm I'm looking it up here. Executive privilege started with George Washington. He, he set an early precedent with it in 1796. All right. Well. <laughs> Next time, just let me be wrong. We'll air that. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, but once again, my, 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 my question is, did it mean something different back then? Because racism used to be defined as you believe that one race or certain races are superior to others naturally, and now racism means only white people can be racist. 
because racism racism is privilege plus plus power equals racism. No, it's not well, the dictionary right. says. That's your SJW okay, definition. Okay, Google. <laughs> like yes, language changes. It's, it's a mutable thing. It evolves. Um, I'm curious what executive privilege would mean to George Washington because exactly that's it's, what I'm it's at. a. It's a term that we use now to say, look, the, the president is shielded from certain things. I, I have the instance in which it was used. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, president George Washington refused to comply with a request by the House of Representatives for documents related to the negotiation of the then recently adopted Jay Treaty with the Kingdom of Great Britain. The Senate alone plays a role in the ratification of treaties, treaties Washington reasoned, and therefore the House had no legitimate claim to the material. Therefore, Washington provided the documents to the Senate, but not the House. Right. That's him going, nah, you, you have no stake in this. They can look at it. They do it. You don't. They can know you can't. And then, then boo-boo, we just started this shit. I'm making this shit up. I'm George Washington. Oh, right. Well, I, I mean, certainly there's, uh, it sounds like that's a, a more of a procedural thing than a conceptual thing. No, I mean, you know, like this is like we have to have some sort of compartmentalization in order to do business properly. And now it's turned into the president is is protected against all the. I mean, we're still dealing with the concept whether criminal charges can be brought against a sitting president, whether a president can pardon himself. It, that is considering the office of the president to be. Above the law, isn't it amazing that not even, not even Nixon attempted that shit. And I mean, it's it's like now now that's on the table for real. We're dealing with a president who might try to pardon himself. I, I, I'd be convinced that he's yeah. Well, if it came down to it, but I think ultimately he's going to be faced with the the choice of uh, having all charges dropped against whoever himself, his family, for him stepping down out of office. It's it's actually official that Mueller is looking into Trump's finances vis-a-vis Russia, which, you know, was uh, considered to be the line that should not be crossed by Trump. That once, once he looks into, once Mueller looks into, or any investi- FBI investigation looks into the personal finances of Trump or Trump's family, that's a line he was not going to cross. And sh- sure enough, he started laying into Jeff Sessions again. Saying yeah, I that saw that. The way that he's handled this whole investigation has been horrible. They're going back and forth this week. Just fire and him so we can stop worrying about weed. And uh, what was it? It was Rod Rosenstein and I forget who would be the guy who would step, who would, who would oversee the investigation if, well, let's see, if, if Sessions... Sessions isn't overseeing it. Rod Rosenstein is. So if I, <laughs> I can't even keep track of this test game. But I believe it's what the ultimate plan here would be is to remove Jeff Sessions. So then you, if you manage to paint him badly and remove him from office, then you can remove Rod Rosenstein, who was put there by Jeff Sessions. Therefore, therefore uh, the chain of command over this investigation would go to I can't even remember who it was, what his name was, but that's who is having dinner with Rod Rosenstein. So it seems like you know they're, they're trying to figure out this plan is like, how can we get these people out of the way so that 
Trump can do what he wants to do. Sure. I mean, that sounds like any politician, really. Trump's just not as practiced at it because he's a business guy. In the business world, you can just be, you know, overt about shit. Politics, you got to, you know, you got to make shit look good. You got constituents to keep happy. You know, you got to finesse it a little more. Um, what, okay, let me ask this question. One of the things that, that I had uh, I had heard from somebody who is very much in the you know go after Trump camp was the issue with Russia because I you know because I've asked before like what exactly are they looking for and it seems like we don't know they're in the middle of an investigation it's very rare in the middle of an investigation that they're going to tell you exactly what they're looking for until they found it and come to you know concluded their investigation but All right. Apparently, that there's a paper trail of Trump borrowing money in the states and banks that are based here in the states, and then fucking them out of their, you know, paying them back. So he basically went to Russia and borrowed money from banks and business people in Russia. Yeah. So I mean, if if that's if that's if that's the the common thread in all this, then yeah, here's here's how Trump does business. He. He creates a. I don't. I don't know the the business terms, Chris. Maybe you would you would know this better. But he basically creates a separate like entity that borrows a lot of money based on Trump and and his connections to do X. You know whether it's build a golf course or a hotel or something, and then is able to claim the losses against that on his taxes, saying, well, you know, this is a. This is in its first few years of business. It's not usually they don't make money, right? So you're claiming a lot of losses. Oh yeah. Then then the business never makes money. I just did that. You 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 then file for bankruptcy so that you don't have to pay back the loans. So you made millions of dollars in subsidies for you on your taxes based on these burgeoning businesses that you're creating. Because that's part of what, you know, our tax system incentivizes. It wants to it wants to incentivize people to start businesses, big and small. So he takes advantage of those those tax situations, gets his money that way. The that entity, that business that he created, then goes bankrupt, while all of his other businesses go, continue to go on. And there's only so many times that you can do that before people catch on. And when you can't borrow money in the U.S. anymore, that's where he and many other people, like Paul Manafort, went is to the Russian banks to get loans. So, and then that's that's why again Trump doesn't want Mueller looking at his personal finances because even if it doesn't, his personal finances don't show anything about collusion between Russia and and the election or anything. Doesn't really matter because that's not what the investigation is about. The investigation is looking for crimes. And on top of that, all you have to do is, you know, leak some papers about, well, look at all this money, these X amount of millions of dollars that Trump is in debt to the Russians, and it tells a story for you. You you almost don't need to find proof at that point because the the story is told to the public. Obviously this guy's involved with the Russians. But isn't this isn't this whole thing supposed to be about collusion? Um, no. Again, it's an investigation into crimes. That's the mistake that people get when they get frustrated with this: is assuming what the investigation is about. And 
what it's about is there's a lot of shady shit and a lot of a lot of money and a lot of events happening around the Trump election campaign and White House and his business doings. And that was worth opening up an investigation to find out what the fuck is going on. But I thought it was supposed to be about like links between them, the, the campaign in Russia. Well, not to parse the language too finely, but what do you mean by about? The investigation is about something. The investigations aren't about anything. Well, then what are we wasting all this time and money and whatever? Why? Hold on. What are you not seeing here? An FBI investigation looks into crimes, right? Yes. It looks into crimes where they find things that look like crimes. But it doesn't mean that, you know, FBI looks into uh, organized crime during Prohibition era, right? Mm -hmm. It says, okay, clearly... There's something going on here. You know, this guy who claims that he's just a businessman is getting filthy rich. And is it just coincidence that there's all this liquor moving around in the area? And we're hearing these stories. So it's not like, okay, we investigate him for rum running. And then we find that the evidence of rum running. And then our job is done. It is, there's shady business dealings going on, and they need to be investigated, and whatever they find that constitutes a crime, they're going to prosecute on. But isn't that for the so that, private sector? What's the impetus? Why do we even start it, I guess? That, that's what I'm saying, what I mean about. Why is well, why did they even appoint Mueller if, if we're not looking it, for... It was in the memos. That's what's in the memos, why the investigation started. And well, also, isn't it, the, isn't it a, a conflict of interest to run for president and also be in debt to banks and private citizens in Russia? It's not a conflict of interest, but this is this is this came up in the uh, the whole story about security clearances that that ended up with uh, Jared Kushner getting a downgraded security clearance this week. It's not about conflict of interest it's about vulnerability are there the the way that uh the fbi clears somebody for top secret information is to look at not just the likelihood of that person defecting to another country or something like that or becoming some sort of double agent but is there anything in that person's background that could be used as leverage against them by another country so having millions of dollars of debt to another country about uh, and all surrounding business dealings that you'd rather people not know about and some of that possibly even illegal that's a lot of leverage to leave on the table for a country like russia who you know is going to apply it to use against the president or anybody else in the white house that's in that situation it sounds like there's more more than one of them well take away the fact that it's trump and any politician accepting money from a country who we have, let's say, a contentious relationship with, Mm -hmm. be it a private citizen, be it a business in that country, whatever, we would all look at each other and go, that's shady as fuck. Are you serious? My question is, is how come we don't do this forever? How come there isn't a special counsel for every president? There had to be something that sparked, like, we're not just doing this to do it. No, look, the Michael Steele uh, dossier that was presented to the FBI is the impetus for the investigation, right? This ex-British spy dug up all this, this dirt on Trump, and he said, 
Well, a lot of this is going beyond just like slandering for campaign purposes. Like there's some major crimes going on here and then presented this information to the FBI. Not all of this was new to the FBI. The FBI knew some of this information already, but Michael Steele was telling a story with this dossier. And so the FBI said, all right, this has gotten to the point where we cannot ignore this. This has to be investigated. There's too much, uh, there's too much shady stuff going on. The, the Republican defense that was in the memo was that this dossier that Michael Steele had put together was intended to smear another campaign and was funded by the Democratic Party, which is absolutely true. But it doesn't, it doesn't make the... <laughs> It doesn't mean that what Michael Steele found was false. And if Michael Steele was just making up stories and the FBI was uh, was misinformed, then you know maybe this this investigation does end in nothing. But it you don't get this far on nothing. So it's not about an investigation looking for collusion. It's not an, about an investigation looking for anything. Because just like they got... Then uh, why you know, have it? That, that, that's what I'm not buying. Then why have it? If it's not looking for why anything, have it? why because are you why having have it? it? The FBI has information about crimes. Because they have information about crimes that have happened and they are investigating it. That's why you have it. Not every president has shady business dealings in the past with other countries. That's why we don't have these types of investigations for everybody that runs for president. We do vet everybody who gets to run for president, and we find out, hopefully, a lot of the stuff before it gets to this point. But my question is, is if, this, uh, if, this is, if this has nothing to do with the campaign, what does it matter? If it's not tied to the presidential campaign, what does it matter? It's him as a private citizen matter? before he became the president. Just being a bad business person. If it was a bad business person, then you have no investigation and you have no criminal charges filed at the end of that investigation. And so then I guess you could go with your, your, uh, your question of what does it matter, because it would seem pointless. But still, I, I like my FBI to investigate possible crimes, because that's kind of what they do. doesn't mean that their failures when they come up with evidence of no crime. Sometimes there is no crime. Most times there is. Okay. What, is, what does it have to do with being president? You decide that. You decide if it's okay to have somebody who has a criminal past to be president. And certain crimes would disqualify him from being president. You can't, I don't, I don't, excuse me, I don't believe you can run for public office if you're a felon unless you've had it expunged from your record. Right. So, but I mean, once again, <clears throat> can they prosecute? Can they prosecute a sitting president, or do they have to wait till he's he's out of office? I mean, that's that's really it comes down to that too, right? Oh. I mean, it, it. I don't recall Bill Clinton ever serving any time. Well, Bill Clinton, they just perjury. If you and I commit perjury, we go to jail. Well, perjury is like resisting arrest, though. It's like if they can't get you on anything else, they get you on that. People perjure themselves every day in court, and they never get even charged with it. You know, if a murderer stands up in court... And yeah, they, they got, got a good lawyer. You got the public got, defender, you perjure yourself, you're going back into the holding cell. Well, if you stand up in court and say not guilty and you killed somebody, you just perjured yourself. I mean, it depends on how... how uh, we just add that to the sentence. It's your conviction. <laughs> eh, extra six months. I mean, I, I, I guess. Uh, either that or they just figuring, well, fuck it, if we got you on murder, 
you ain't going anywhere for going to be here for a while. Uh, better get, better get a Snickers. I did, mean, so, did, uh, did Nixon do any time? No. Yeah, well, Nixon also got parted, pardoned real fucking quick by the next president. <laughs> well, yes. I mean, Trump's probably not going to do any time. Again, he's going to make a deal, which is probably a lot like the deal Nixon made, where a lot of other people around him and the FBI said, look, you know, we can... We can take this all the way to what looks to be a lot its logical conclusion, which is perp walking a sitting president out of the Oval Office. Or you could save the country a whole lot of fucking grief and end this now yourself and try and save some face before it gets to that point. I think that is wishful fucking if you, have you met Trump? That is wishful fucking thinking. The thing that guy's gonna say all I'm he, telling you he is quit something. I mean that guy will um, that guy will go down perp walked. He's too but fucking. Dude, he's he's got no. too much. He's got too much ego <laughs> to, to say he quits. His ego is separate from that because when your ego is that big, you're never quitting. You're you're forced out, or there's always some other circumstances. I mean, look when I was describing his business dealings of him, you know, basically just bilking the system for. Uh, tax refunds and then having this business go bankrupt that's like does that sound like somebody who never quits if he quits he has to say he's wrong he has to admit he's wrong he doesn't do that he still fucking thinks obama's from fucking kenya no you're wrong chris this is a man who managed to bankrupt a casino and walk away from it guy who ran for president based solely on the fact that someone talks shit about him too much ego, man. No way. He ain't quitting. He'll he'll go down swinging. Stepping down, stepping down as a president will not affect his ego at all. He can step down and say, "Look, you know, I couldn't work there anymore. What are you going to do? You know, if if his if his base actually turns against him, I'll say, "All right, well, let people change. I'm going to go on being Trump and making money." He can he can easily step down and not have to be. And not have to feel shamed. When your ego is that big, he's, it is that impervious. He's too alpha male to step down, man. And it's not a thing. The alpha male is the guy who gets fired and then talks about how the system's against him. The alpha male is not introspective and say, what could I have done differently in that situation to keep that job? He goes home, kicks his dog and says, the fucking man has always got me down. Just because I call off for a few days no call no show he's always got somebody else to blame because his ego is too big to accept his own failure trump's ego is too big to accept his own failure in every instance he can easily quit he can bankrupt a company he can walk away from deals he can fucking step down from being president of the united states of america and still be trump it will not affect his self-perception all right we'll agree disagree on this one I just I've just known too many dudes that have that personality. Stepping down is admitting you failed at something. And this guy who has the most powerful job, you know, admit, you know, debatably in the world, went and took this job after someone talked shit about him. So they yeah, fuck you, I'm going to have your job. Like but, there's no way with a guy ego, with an ego like that is going to step is right. going to walk away from a job like this. Your ego doesn't allow you to see it as stepping down. Your ego sees it as being forced out. Like Kenny, like Kenny Powers. 
when he's when he's leaving Atlanta. Sick of shouldering all the weight, carrying this team. Atlanta, you're fucking presidency. You're fucking out. That well, Donnie's, Donnie's you, a free agent. You 100% nailed it. That is the type of personality that I see Trump as. Kenny Powers is perfect. He, Kenny Powers is constantly fucking up and pointing the finger at everybody else. At no point does he stop to be introspective about his own actions and how they affect people around him. And don't act like you don't is, know about drugs when you do. <laughs> he never, he's never a failure in that, his own mind. Kenny that, Powers is never a failure in his own mind. He is constantly a champion. His ego is so big. That black guy that had all that Cialis. No, it's no, you're Aaron. I, I'm, I'm with you on this. You're right. And I mean, I just the, the scene I think of is when he takes the ecstasy at the school dance. He gets up there and starts dancing. And then he pukes, and he's like, "It's not the ecstasy, it's the heat." It's like, motherfucker, you know, you like, you can't even admit you can't handle ecstasy no more. Come on now. Or even when he's at the fucking uh, uh, end of the first episode when he's walking down the hallway and what he's seeing is in my in his mind versus what's happening. <laughs> you know, like these, all the kids are cheering for him and shit. Right. And th- think about it in this aspect. If the FBI come to him and say, okay, this is what we've got. You know, sits down with his lawyers and everything, and it's official, and they say, hey, here's a big stack of paper. And all of this is about your business dealings in Russia. And all of this stuff <laughs> on here is illegal. And a lot of it... Even if it's just tax evasion shit, we're going to nail you for every little bit of this. We're going to go after all this money. And even if we find some of it's clean, it's going to be tied up for so fucking long, you won't remember what it fucking looks like. They could do to him what he did. At when he, that when point. When he's like, look at, the, look at that stack of he, papers. When the FBI has enough evidence to fuck with his money, I think his ego is going to invent an excuse as to why he can step down and save face. No, I can I can absolutely see that happening. It's it's the, I'm not retiring, no, no one will fucking hire me mentality. Right. He's, he'll have some, uh, you know... Uh, he, he, He's got. A, he wants to step down so he can spend more time with his money. <laughs> well, I mean, to shift gears a little bit, but the, I mean, it's still on, in, on the on the the week in Trump. Um, he's been making some very interesting fucking statements the last couple of days. He has, As, isn't he? There's there's three that we need to talk about. I guess if we took him in order, it would be if I'm thinking about the the right things that you are, Rich. Um, his statement about guns and due process. Yeah, which I can't imagine excites his base. Right. He was saying, you know, <clears throat> this kid, uh, you know, somebody should have been taking his guns. Right? Take the guns, and then we'll do the due process afterward. <laughs> like, that's, that's not a due process. <laughs> Somewhere uh, super liberal exploded. Well, you know, one of the things I find interesting about this is that this is... Go ahead, go ahead and have your ice cream, but you're going to eat your dinner first. <laughs> you know, the, it, the, one of the things I find funny about that statement on his end is this is what people who've been constantly warning of a totalitarian government have been saying would happen. Mm-hmm. And the difference is it's not coming from someone with a D by their name. 
It's coming from Trump. Yeah. You know, every time someone brings up gun control on the left, here come all the Hitler memes. You know, first thing Hitler did was disarm the country, disarm the population, and then convinced them that <clears throat> that the Jews were the bad guys, so they could can, rally can around just, that. Can you imagine if that, that if Obama said what what Trump said about guns and due process? Oh, oh my God! The, the Tea Party people, people would, would be yeah. The FBI they'd be losing their be, fucking minds. The FBI would be stretched so thin having to check up on every single threat that went out to Obama over the internet. From every gun nut everywhere, that I mean, it, it, it yeah, it would be, it'd be, it'd be fucking insanity. They'd, they'd but, cease getting mail delivered. Like, don't bother. <laughs> We're not opening any packages, no envelopes, nothing. Yeah, exactly. They get a Pope mobile for fucking Obama to roll around in if he had to go out in public, you know. <laughs> but well, I, I just, I think that's amazing, and it's, it, it, it kind of falls in line with how the fuck have you blue haired. 76 gendered, don't know what the fuck you are, so you just make some shit up, bullshit people been calling this man Hitler for a fucking year or longer, yet you want to hand all your guns over to the government that Hitler's running. I mean, it, it's the, the cognitive dissonance is, is thick in this motherfucker. Yeah. Well, the, the response from the Republicans has been interesting because a lot of times they're put in this situation where, like, you know, they go on TV or on the radio, and, the, and some you know senator or representative is being interviewed about the Republicans' policy on X, so like immigration, you know. And Trump has some retarded comment that just you know him shooting from the hip. That now that you know that politician has to go on air and try and spin that to the Republican Party line. Well, this is what he meant, and and you know he's not. That's going to be a literal wall, and some of it's going to be a fence. But what it's talk, what he's really talking about is border security, right? So they they managed to find some way to take that clumsy pass from from Trump and spin it into some sort of play. This they just like put their hands up, like I ain't fucking touching that ball because when he starts talking about taking people's guns and due process, the Republican went on air and said, "We don't know." We, we don't know what the White House policy is on guns. You want to ask us about where, where the Republicans stand as, as a unified party on this? Can't tell, we can tell you where the House and the Senate sits on this issue, but the, the White House seems to be doing their own thing on this. Mitch McConnell just backs away slowly. I'd be Ooh, interested to hey. see. I mean, this, this just happened like, what, two days ago, was it? So, or was it yesterday? I can't even tell. Things move so fast now. But a week from now, are those 40% poll numbers that Trump is, is white-knuckling, uh, is that actually going to dip on him? Is he going to lose his base over this issue? My guess is he finds, you know, he's going to have the opposite stance tomorrow. So it really doesn't matter. <laughs> right? He's going he's gonna to say something else. That completely contradicts what he said two days ago. But if he's really pushing on on gun reform the way that he's hinting at, he's got no support from the Republicans on it. Well, I think the evangelicals have already proven that no matter what he sticks his dick in, that it's okay. Because their excuse is, well, he's a flawed man. Well, and, and we yeah. all fall short. We all fall short of the glory. That's why Christ died on the cross for us. So it's okay that he fucks porn stars and Playboy bunnies. 
However, you start taking fucking their guns from them. You start doing shit like, first of all, when I jumped on fucking the, the kids down in Florida who were going, you know, assault, assault rifles, assault rifles, assault rifles. And I jumped on him last episode for not knowing what the fuck they're talking about. If he starts doing that shit, he's going to piss a lot of them off. Because they're, they're going to look at it like, you're doing exactly, you should know better. You're the president, and on top of that, you represent the, the pro-gun party. You should know the difference between a semi-automatic weapon and a fully automatic weapon. And just because something looks scary to people who don't know any better, doesn't necessarily make it an assault weapon. Just because you want to redefine it as one, based solely on looks, that's going to piss a lot of them off. And I don't think he's, I, I don't see anything he can do to sway people from the left to, to, to come into his camp. I really don't. The hardcore left hate him. Hate him. But, yeah, that's, that is interesting because I think part of the question is, is he, is he going this way on guns in order to, uh, in belief that his base will stay with him no matter what and that he can actually attract enough liberals to gain support as a president. But, uh, yeah, I, if he was to try that with any issue, I can't believe it's this one. I think guns and abortion are the, yeah, and he get are his the two, like, untouchables. Then he get his handbook at the RNC? Like, all right, here's the things you got to... If he, if he was to come out as pro-choice, I think he would lose his evangelical base quicker than if he did ban first of all let's 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 get to the point of what, what's going what would on be here. worse pro-choice or gay which one which one would lose them more of his pro-choice. evangelical base pro-choice, pro-choice. yeah pro-choice 100 really um yes. yeah yeah because see you can they said it themselves look at, look at poll numbers dead babies are worse than booty yes. holes yeah. Yes. yeah because you can we can send you to, to re-education camp and we can pray the gay away and we, we, we love the sin but hate the sinner. But killing babies is, you know, that's murder. So, you know, even though God told Abraham to kill Isaac and was going to let him do it. Oh, he's going to. Ki- and, and then God, God killed. Whoa, man. Whoa. I, I didn't mean that shit. I just wanted to see if we were cool. We're cool, man. You don't have to do that. And then, you know, God killed all of Job's family on a bet with the devil. <laughs> I know, right? Some you cold know, so. shit. Let Jonah get eaten by a whale. Excuse right. me, but all uh, life it, is sacred. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. But no, um, first of all, let's let's just get this let's just get the, the, this out here because this is what's going on right now. People want the AR-15 banned. That's what right. they want. They don't, and and they're either ignorant of the facts, <clears throat> so they call it an assault rifle. They say it's a fully automatic weapon. It's not. Yes, it can. It can be modified. All right, but they're not saying that, so they just just flat out, let's just get to the fucking heart of it. They want the AR-15 banned. If Trump was to come out and say, fine, sign into law, it's illegal to, to, to import, manufacture, or sell an AR-15 in this country from here on out, and all the ones that are here are grandfathered in, because that's what, that's what happened under the Clinton gun ban. Everything was grandfathered in. When I bought, right. when I bought, when I bought my first nine, I had a 15 shot magazine that was a pre-banned magazine you just couldn't right. it, it buy was, a, purchase a new one yeah it was it, illegal to purchase but not illegal to own yes and if it was already and if it was already in circulation there's you know 
They didn't come for you. Because I took it I took it to the police station, they inspected it, and they, even a police officer said, oh, you got yourself a pre-banned mag. That's, that's pretty slick. I was like, okay. I mean, <laughs> but if I need 15 shots and one in the pipe, I'm a shitty shot. I probably shouldn't be carrying this fucking thing. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> whatever. But, um, so, I mean, if that happens... I think that's going to be the extent of gun control for this round of school shootings. I think that will be the absolute end game that comes out of it. Um, I know a lot of people have a problem with it. I have a problem with it because you have a lot of ignorant people who want it banned and they don't know what they're talking about. even Even if their heart's in the right place, they're talking out of their ass. And that just irks me because there's no excuse... If this is your pet issue, if this is the hill you're going to die on, then you should. There's no, with with the with the world of knowledge at your fingertips. There is no excuse for you to be ignorant on this issue, none whatsoever. And it just it bothers me because it these people come out, they say factually incorrect information. It gets repeated. It gets repeated mm-hmm. to the point where it becomes well, that's just. That's just what it is. And if you try to even correct somebody, you get people to come down on you like, oh, so you're in favor of dead kids? Really? We're gonna play, you're going to play wordplay with a motherfucker now? You're going to try to put words in my mouth? No, that's not what I'm saying. But, I mean, that, that bothers me because if that can happen on this issue, you damn well know yeah. it can happen on other issues. Well, Rich, I mean, you want an assault rifle on the market? I mean, that's what AR stands for. <laughs> what's the ak stand for in ak-47 ask him that and watch him fucking give you the the, the fucking deer and headlights look well i don't know russian so it probably stands for assault rifle in russian in, in russian <laughs> oh man i mean i just well, look i hear two military guys this week complain about you know, just all the inaccuracies in the media, you know, about how it's it's portrayed. You know, it's... I, I always wonder... Uh, that's the yeah. thing that I always think about when... Like, you know, you again, you guys know me. You know, I'm not... I, I've never fight a gun. I own no guns. But I think about, like, there's... What? There's, like, what? 350 million guns in this country? Some shit like that? Or 300 million guns? Like, what about all the people that know how to use them? And like right. I thought about it this week, I know at least a dozen people that own guns, and they got kids. They ain't shot nobody. Their kids ain't shot them. You know what I'm saying? Like, absolutely. And that that's kind of important. But <laughs> this is such an an emotionally driven issue that any fact is going to be you know looked at as as some sort of propaganda. Because yeah, I mean, ultimately they. This, the liberals want the AR-15 off the market, like you're saying, Rich. They want it off the market because it looks aggressive. Because it, because who would hunt with that? You know, and this. I mean, I understand. Someone we, who we wants to make sure about it's this dead. A lot last week about how you know it's a lot of this is perception, and there's not a lot of uh, it's not a lot of truth to the the idea of how this uh, weapon or this gun is used. Because if you, if you looked at just the numbers, it, out of all the, the millions of guns <clears throat> that are in this country, how many of them are actually killing people? Then guns are safer than 
so many other things in this country. Well, it's, it's the tired old argument, but I mean, I thought about it. Like, we don't try to ban cars when somebody uses a car the wrong way. When somebody, right. when somebody plows a car into a but, crowd, we don't go, well, we need to start getting these cars off the road. Like, there's plenty of people using them safely every day, not not hurting anybody. Like. Right, but let's, I mean, if we were having a, dis- but th- this is part of what bothers me about the, the details of this discussion, too. Like, whether uh, an AR-15 is considered an assault rifle or what, whatever the fuck AR stands for doesn't really matter, right? You can have an opinion about if there's a dangerous car on the road, right? If Ford starts making the Pinto again and these shits are blowing up on, on the roads all over the place, I don't have to fucking know what Pinto means, what the origin of the name is, or how a fucking car works, or anything, to make the decision as a citizen, I don't want that shit out there. That shit looks dangerous. I agree with that. I, mean, you know, cause, I don't have to know the, the ins and outs of these weapons. All I know is that they were used, this weapon was used to kill a lot of people. It looks like it was designed to kill people. And I don't understand why collectors, hobbyists, hunters, whatever, what have you, need access to that. The same way that there's people who really love tanks. Yeah, no, right. Uh, even afford I, was to just, buy I was just thinking about that. Like, can't just go buy a tank. Like, but, but yeah, uh, try and buy a tank and park it on the street. Oh, wait, Rich has a tank guy? <laughs> it's, it's a very expensive and pain in the ass process. But yes, a private citizen could own a tank. Really? Where you ain't parking it in your driveway or on the street. Or else you're probably going to get hit with a drone strike. But <laughs> right, Next example can you just buy a missile? Hey. Yeah. It's a decommissioned tank. Get that missile. Right. No, absolutely. You can, you, you, I don't know if it's still this way, but uh, 15 years ago, you could walk into an Army Navy store and buy a grenade. Now, that grenade wasn't a live grenade. The explosive element had been taken out of it. But everything right. else was there, the pin, everything. Yep. And people would buy them and use them as like paperweights or VFWs would use them. And, and, and you know, when they have like their displays, like, you know, they'll have, like, you know, uh, the equipment and weapons from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, et cetera, et cetera. That's what I'm talking about. But here's, here is my beef with, whoa, I, people go, I don't understand why you need it. I don't have to explain to you why I need it. It's my right to have it. You want to yeah. take that right from me. It's not my job to explain to you why I have this right. It's not. Yeah, no, a- absolutely. I'm right there with you, Rich, because this is... This is something that we've talked a lot about, at least I have, is that certainly rights need to be defended, but we shouldn't come at everything, at at every right from the aspect of defend that right. It should be, no, you defend your position that those rights should be limited in some way. You're the, the... the, the ones who want to put limits on other people's rights should, be, uh, should have the burden of proof to show the reasoning for that. Well, I mean, I've had to evolve my thinking on, on one subject, that it's a trope that gets, you know, that gets trotted out every time this subject comes up, which is, oh, so what do all these Michigan militia guys think they're going to do? Think they're going to beat the United States military in a ground war? And basically, I just... You know, I used to say the same thing. Now I just think a uh, bunch of farmers in Vietnam did a pretty good job, didn't they? 
bunch of sheep fuckers in Afghanistan and keeping us at a state at a fucking at a stalemate for almost two decades now. Uh, so, yeah. And on top of that, you have I don't give a fuck what the fuck people say or want to believe. But there will be a lot of weapons turned on commanding officers that say fire on American civilians. So, yeah, that's one of the reasons we've never been invaded. It, it's it's it, come on over. You can hit the West Coast and the East Coast. I guarantee you, you might take New York. You might take California. You start getting in the middle of the country. You just you, good luck. Quagmire is the word I'm thinking. You're gonna run into a you're gonna run into a lot of pissed off rednecks, especially once the the Budweiser dries up. All right, so once they can't get their fucking Copenhagen and Budweiser, there's some dead motherfucking invaders it's, in this country. It's on. Yeah. So I mean it. That's just that's just the facts, and that's one of the reasons I I truly believe that our government takes such care to be clandestine. In the fucking over that they get that they do to us, the, the the threat of a violent revolution doesn't mean they're going to fucking stop. They're just going to do it under the cover of darkness, a lot more stealthily, and they won't be as in the open about it. Because yeah, I mean what what happened a year ago? Guy walked up to a bunch of Republicans playing softball. Hey, y'all Republicans? Yep. All right, this is target practice now. I mean, now imagine I don't know, a couple hundred thousand people with. With weapons turning on their local governments, you think the police department's going to hold? You, you think you think Livonia police department's going to hold off everybody in Livonia who's pissed off and, and owns weapons? It ain't happening. Don't it they just have a, ain't. Well, don't, don't they have a tank? Rich, when do you feel that we? Wasn't <laughs> that Garden City? Westland has it. Westland has to take and an armored ah. personnel carrier. Well, where does it look like we we stand now on on the issue as a country? Because we're now two weeks out from the shooting in Florida. We're still talking about it. We don't know what the White House's position is going to be on it. We don't know what the, ultimately the Republicans' position is going to be on it. It looks like they're, they're willing to make some concessions on this. But meanwhile, you know, to the, the big sellers of weapons, Walmart and Dick's Sporting Good are, are actually making moves to, you know, well, I think it was Dick's that said they're not going to sell AR-15s. They're going to raise the age to 21 to buy a weapon, same as uh, Walmart. I don't think they Walmart uh, did the, they the, the age. Right. They just went with the the uh, raising the age limit to 21. See, I'm down with the age thing, but as far as dicks, whatever, dude. Someone else, someone's going to go somewhere. Else. You're just driving someone to somewhere else. And on top of that, wasn't dicks yeah. already in trouble financially as a brick and mortar business? And and, you've seen Gander. You've seen Gander Mountain go out of fucking business. And at fucking what I read on the article from Reuters the other day is after Sandy Hook they took them off the shelves and then they quietly put them back on. Like so, like whatever. Right. Your hero next. Like it's 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 bullshit posturing. <clears throat> is all it is. It's, it's virtue signaling of the highest. It's, it's I think of that meme you have, Rich. That's your. Uh, there was your 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 album cover on your facebook i'm already virtue signaling i can't virtue signal any harder <laughs> like that's what i right. think when i see shit like that <laughs> well, well look, okay so i think what, i think what's going to ha- to answer your question yes. real quick Aaron. i think what's going to happen is you're going to see a temporary you're going to see a ban on the the sale of new ar-15s much like we had i think went effect in 94 mm-hmm. it'll probably be a longer ban 
and then maybe and definitely bump stocks. That's first of all, no one knew what the fuck a bump stock was unless you were a, a gun a gun enthusiast before fucking Ve- the Vegas shooting. Yeah, your average person had no fucking idea. I guarantee if you if you could look up the Google trends on searches for bump stocks, it was a tr- it was like you know an, an eighty year old man with this prostate the size of a fucking grapefruit trying to piss trickle. And then after Vegas, okay. it fucking went through the roof. So that's right. I hear you, Rich, but 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 so what? What? But what <laughs> I'm getting at is that what I'm what I'm getting at is that it's going to be something where we're going to put, we're going to go okay. In 20 years, we'll come back and revisit this issue. And if we have a Republican in office, like when 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 the Obama or Obama when the Clinton fucking uh, ban expired and he didn't re-up it they're both black that'll happen you know if we have a democrat in office he'll probably extend it i mean it's 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 the only compromise i think that people are going to accept because there's no way police are going to go door to door collecting weapons there will be a lot of dead police in this fucking country and i mean you will literally 35 grand a year is going to start going door to door to collect weapons and let me tell you something. Most police are very, very, very pro Second Amendment. Very pro Second Amendment. Did you guys collect guns today? Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, this ain't Fahrenheit four fifty one. Yeah. You know this. This isn't people who you know been raised that that the, the what they're showing up at your door to collect is evil. These are people who would rather have an armed society because well, makes their job I mean, easier. What, what what was it? Three years ago now. Police chief in Detroit? Yeah. Our response time for call is like an hour, hour and a half. What do you suggest to the citizens of Detroit? Buy a gun, period. That's from the horse's mouth. So <laughs> yeah. I think that's, that's no, what's going to happen. They're going to be like, oh, yeah, you, you, can have the, you can have my weapons. Let's start with the ammo. One bullet at a time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so I, I, think, I, think, I think eventually the AR-15 might not be this year, but I think, within, I think before 2000, the election 2020, it's going to have some sort of ban on it. I doubt it'll be a permanent ban. And nothing's permanent in this country. They can always... Prohibition was supposed to be permanent. Well, say, they can always repeal it. And, and then on that note, too, guys, time for an informal podcast poll uh, between 18 and 21. If you wanted alcohol, were you able to get it? Oh, God, yeah. There. I mean, it's... Yeah. A year. I just, Should an 18-year-old be able to buy an assault weapon? No. <laughs> but, I mean... Is it going to stop someone from obtaining a weapon illegally? Correct. Yeah. yeah. We all, no way is it going to. We all had an alcohol guy between 18 and 21. Yeah, I know plenty I know plenty of buddies who have drug convictions, and their wife technically is the gun owner in the house, but the wife's well, never even handled I mean, one of the like, weapons. You know. right. Come on now. Your, your intention... If your intention is to commit a crime and that crime is murder, I don't think any other thing is getting in your way. Like, wow, I'd really like to kill all those people, but... Yeah, are you registering your gun? I didn't pass my background check, and they won't give me a gun, so pff, that's why I'm getting really good at knife throwing. <laughs> yeah. I, Which, yeah, by I got the these, way, I got like, these ninja I'd be, stars. Way more, be way more afraid of a knife thrower than anyone with, a, with an automatic weapon. Those fuckers are accurate. If they're good, <laughs> yeah, yeah, a good knife thrower. <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 it, I, I think it's a lot of. Like, I'm with Chris. I think Dix is posturing by Dix. Sorry, the law requires a five day waiting period. We've got to run a background check. Five days, but I'm mad now. <laughs> <laughs> 
and I think I think I think the reason Dix did this because they licked their finger, they stuck it in the wind, and they saw that even among Republicans, right-leaning people, however you want to refer to them, uh-huh. the the vast majority of this country is down for some sort of quote-unquote gun control, whether it be stricter background checks, banning the a, the AR-15, the AK-47, whatever. You know, uh, why is it control? It, shouldn't it just be regulation? Because don't we regulate guns like we do everything else in this country, but we we don't say gun regulation oops. anymore. We say well, gun control. Nobody says because, car control. Government's always telling me what kind of car I can drive. It's it's the same way. The NRA has framed the conversation the same way um, proponents of gay marriage reframed the term gay marriage as marriage equality. Yes. The NRA has pushed gun control. Because control... No, no, who the fuck are you to control me? Fuck you. You don't control yeah. me. You know, that's it, human nature. If someone pushes you, human nature is to shove back. You know, and, and or at least, you know, if someone tells you you can't do something, to go, fuck you, I can do what I want. So they, they know that, and they play upon that. Just like when it was gay marriage, that sounded scary to some people. Well, I don't gay marriage, but marriage equality. Well, of course every, of course everybody should be able to get married and be as miserable as they want. But I, but I don't want to marry a gay. But you know, it's, just, it's like the bumper sticker I've seen for fucking twenty years now. Don't like abortions? Don't have one. Don't like porn? Don't watch it. Don't like gay marriage? Don't marry a gay guy. It's real simple. <laughs> I mean, I, I, what the fuck does that have to do with what I do? Yeah. Nothing. Don't like flag burning? Don't burn a flag. And I mean, you know, and there is a lot of hypocrisy to be pointed out, and I find it hilarious that most of the people I know who are for flat-out banning all, all handguns, hunting rifles, semi-automatic rifles, assault rifles, I mean, just across the board, are the most vocal pro-choice people I know. And I'm like, do you really want to stack those numbers up? <laughs> oh, well, a baby's not a person until it's born. Okay, legally, you're right. Morally, I don't know. That depends on, on where you fall on the moral compass. Like, personally, it's your body. Something's in your body. If you don't want it there anymore, you have a right to have it removed. Mm-hmm. It's like these trans-abled people who are feeling like, oh, I should have been born with no legs, and so they find some quack doctor but, and cut their legs off. You know, it may or may not have a heartbeat. You know, that's, now I'm thinking of the Louis C.K. Like, but it's kind of killing a baby. But if it's kind of not. If you, want, if, you want, if you want me to get right down to it, after a certain point, if it could live outside of the womb, you're killing a human being. Yeah, I mean, that's, you're just killing well, a human that, being that hasn't been born yet. That's essentially the standard that we have now. That's 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 where we've. I mean, as a country, we don't agree on this necessarily, but that is the middle ground that we found, and I think that's fairly reasonable. Well, here's the thing. I, I, okay, you're killing a human being, once again. Uh, the law says you can do it. I know. Yeah. Here we now, go again. If, if you can wake up every morning, look yourself in a mirror, and live with yourself after doing it, that's what you have to deal with. And yeah. that's where you want my sympathy? It lies in the dictionary between shit and syphilis. You made that decision. You live with it, motherfucker. Don't try to put that on anybody else. That's, that's where I have an issue with the shit. But for the most part, the vast majority, I believe the vast majority of women who have an abortion, a late-term abortion, probably, I, 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 I tend to believe they do it because they thought that they, they could handle it 
And when, for whatever reason, they did a gut check and said, I'm going to fuck a human being's life up because I can barely take care of myself. Well, all right. No, I don't believe it's, I don't believe it's, I don't believe there's women walking around going, I want to kill, I want to wait till my baby's eight months old and kill it. That's what I'm saying. I think that applies to just regular abortions, not late term abortions. I mean, let's, what, what we describe as late term abortions are, happen in cases where the mother's life or, or just health might be in danger or the child might be born with some, you know, horrible disease or mutation that would drastically affect everyone, the, the child and the parent's quality of life. These are late-term abortions happen when medically necessary, and unless a, a doctor is really unscrupulous, he's not going to he he or she they are not going to perform one just because somebody chickens out after like you know, six months. See, there you go. I missed my call in life. I should have went to medical school and became a late-term abortion specialist. Like, are you in the first <laughs> trimester? Yep. No, I'll come back in the third. I don't deal with people like you. You make me sick. <laughs> I want to. I want to. I want to stick the fucking the knife in the back of the baby's head and scramble the brains. What's wrong with you? Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, I, look, dude, I agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. And I think the number of people who do it because they were sitting on the fence all that all that time is is tiny. I mean, we're talking. If it's if it's more than a few percentage points, I would be shocked. Honestly, they would they would have difficulty finding a doctor to do the procedure. Exactly, and not only that, but there is literally dozens of avenues that you can take before you get to that point. There's the there's there's first of all there's birth control, whether it be all the traditional methods or some of the fun ones like you know swallow a load because you ain't gonna barf a baby out, and then there's the morning after pill, there's all types of shit. There's, you know, abortions that fall within, you know, the first couple weeks, et cetera, et cetera. That's why I said, I believe the people that wait, the women that wait that long, that is so fucking rare. That's why it's like when I hear it brought up as a talking point, I'm like, once again, you're talking about one, two percent of the, of the people who have, abo- the women who have abortions. Mm-hmm. And you're acting like it's, it's the vast majority. It's not even close. But I mean, I on think, top of that, that puts a strain on a woman's body. Yeah. This, is, this has been a, a continuing issue in this country because <clears throat> this concept that all life is sacred is something that actually crosses over. You know, just because you believe that people should be able to have abortions doesn't mean that you don't think that all life is sacred. It means you have a different definition of when that thing is considered a life. And personally, I'm not even there. Like, I don't even think that all life is sacred. No. Life's cheap. It's just, I mean, show me the empirical evidence for that. (laughs) Because all life, all of us, as far as humans are concerned, we could all leave this planet. And this planet is going to go on just fine. So what is so sacred about each individual life, I don't know. Well, how many species, how many billions of species are extinct now that weren't in the past? The world keeps turning. Yeah, I wonder if the dinosaurs believed that all life was sacred. 
<laughs> well, I know, I know, I know. At least one of them believed that uh, Earl was not the mama. That's about it. But, I, I, <laughs> but no, man. The din- dinosaurs, the old yes. TV yeah. show, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The babe, not the mama. But anyways, yeah. Until the sun goes supernova, the the, the world don't get that. Earl from Sporty. <laughs> No, no, no. <laughs> not, not the Ice Man. No, not, I, not, not figure, Ice Man. I didn't remember the characters' names. <laughs> I was like, what do you have to do with the dinosaurs? <laughs> well, okay, so he does kind of have a big ass lumpy head. So <laughs> <laughs> we, we kind of really got off track there. Not that I didn't enjoy it, but there were some other ridiculous things that Trump said this week, or at least uh, I think uh, ridiculous concept that it, concepts that he's put out there. Um, the other big one being today, because this was their big, uh, I don't know what they call it, big get-together on what to do about the opioid crisis in this country. You know, some sort of, he's supposed to be forming this commission that's coming up with a plan. And we haven't, we haven't really heard much about what the plan is until today. Death! And, and it, yeah, apparently, death penalty for drug dealers. I, you know what? He ain't he he ain't going he ain't going wild with it. He ain't running wild with it enough. Jaywalk, death. Run a red light, death. Put him in the. We can't find someone to pull the switch. I'll pull it. Put him in. Three at a time in a chair. Yank. Gotta go. Gotta go. See you. Fuck <laughs> it. I mean, you know, let's just kill everybody. I mean, the fuck out of here. Come on now. He's a, once again. People spent over a year calling this man Hitler, and he says shit like this, and you. How the fuck can you, uh, who the fuck is seriously going to go, yeah, okay, uh, you were convicted of drug dealing, put him in a gas chamber. Mm-hmm. On, what, on, on what planet does that fucking seem like a good idea? Or, or, or even this talk about how Trump is this true patriot that's going to save this country when he constantly says things that makes it clear that he has no regard for democracy at all. I mean, he's talking about well, there's there's countries where they have the death penalty. I mean, look at China. They have a death penalty for dealing drugs. And you know what? People don't deal drugs. They've solved the problem. Okay. So you but you're saying that China is a good example of democracy? <laughs> yeah. How does that apply to this country? Uh, so, you're talking about a totalitarian government. Yeah, it's so scary. Hey, China does a great model for government. Oh shit. Well, look at he went. He skipped the Hitler page and went right to the Mao page. We're fucked. Every other, every other country, every other leader the, the, he that he praises has been some sort of totalitarian government outside of like Norway that he just likes because most people are white. Was he like Hitler? Great guy, little misunderstood. <laughs> he loves Putin, Duarte. I mean, yeah. The, <laughs> I mean, I think it's debatable whether he has the ability to accomplish a lot of the, the things that he talks about. But as far as his ideas, I don't think it's even debatable anymore where Trump comes down on, on, on how to run a government. He doesn't believe in democracy. No, He thinks he, that it takes a strong leader to tell everybody what the fuck to do. Because that's what he came up in. That's the business world. Business world is a totalitarian government. Yeah. And once again, I I don't really care that he says that because that's just ridiculous. If they start putting drug dealers to death, once again, there'd be a lot of blood shed in the streets. Uh, what scares me is the people that nod along and go, mm-hmm, yeah, I agree with that. And I just have to shake my head and go, 
Well, he, he pissed off the evangelicals really? once. You know, he had to he had to get him back in his corner. You know, when he talked about take the guns and then uh, due process right. later, he had to get his base back in his corner. Figured he could bring him back around with this one. But it's it's unclear what's even meant by a drug dealer, That's, right? I think it seems by the implication and and what what he was the the context of what he was talking about seems like he wants to go after the guy who is literally you know selling pills illegally, not a not a doctor or anything, somebody that's maybe doctor shopping, gets a few prescriptions from a few different doctors. And then turns around and sells those pills on the black market. That's the, that seems to be the person that he's calling for the death penalty, not the doctor that is handing out prescriptions or the pharmaceutical companies that are producing these pills. Those are the real both drug dealers. Which, both of which can be classified as drug dealers. That's who starts them. That's who starts everybody. You know, until I see a president. Go, all right, we're going to go over to Afghanistan and we're going to burn every poppy field we can. And we're going to go into any other country that produces it and we're going to fucking destroy all these crops. I, all they're doing is giving lip service to bullshit ideas, putting a band aid on a broken arm. That's all they're doing. And it's not even just a broken arm, it's a compound fracture. The bone's sticking yeah. out. And they put a no, band aid on there and go, now, don't you feel better? And look what actually happened. I mean, we went over to Afghanistan to fight terror. We did it with pallets full of cash, not just money, pallets of cash that went to basically, in the end, fund huge crops of poppies that were turned into opium and opioid products and all that and shipped back to the United States. So it's all yeah. W's fault. This was all this we're getting to. It's, 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 I mean... See, if, 10 years later, it still sucks. It depends on how many degrees of separation you want to play. I mean, if you want to be a dick about it, it's all our faults. I don't know if the Dems would have done any different in that situation. They didn't. Yeah. Obama was in there for eight years. He didn't do anything to stop it. Uh, yeah, W got the ball rolling, but Barry fucking let it get worse under his watch. I mean, it's, it's all bullshit. They don't want... They, they, it goes back to money and politics... And we're just too comfortable. We're not going to do anything about it. These people are not beholden to us. These people are beholden to their to, to their corporate masters. And that's that's why I have a hard time giving over myself over to the full on libertarian way of thinking. Because I mean, it, don't tread on me unless you're Nike, Disney, you know, whatever. Then that's okay. At least it's not the government. It's still the same. You're still being fucked over by people who don't give a shit about you, who just look at you as a way to make money. And when you no longer want to play the game of give them your money, there's no use for you. They'll find a use for you. Try to live outside of, try to live outside of the fucking the, the, the grid or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Hey, collecting rainwater is illegal. Why? Well, because... We make a profit off people. We, we, we need people to own public utilities. We'll find a reason to throw your ass in prison if you want to try to live off the fucking grid. And so it's just, it's all bullshit. They don't want nothing done about this. It's been, it's, they waited almost 20 years we've been in Afghanistan. Now all of a sudden it's a problem. And it's only a problem because you got fucking people who never used to die of this shit dying of it. And, you know, you could, you, everybody's got their pet cause. So someone's going to go, oh, now it's white people dying. It's middle class white people. That's now everybody cares. Yeah, I guess if you want to look at it that way. But it's the fact that these aren't fucking street kids. 
overdosing in abandoned houses in Detroit. These are kids that come from fucking upper middle class families, you know, who get hurt playing high school football and get prescribed this shit. And then it gets to the point where they're hooked. Then the doctors right. pull them off it, and they just go to the black market. And the, the well, bitch of it is, heroin's cheaper. Yeah. Well, th- yeah, that's where the connection is. I mean, you know, the, the pharmaceutical companies may be pumping out the pills, and certainly that is, you know, has the, the potential to kill people alone. But what seems to be causing more harm is the, the situations that people find themselves in when they're cut off by the doctors. But yet they still have an opioid addiction to to feed. So they turn to other methods. You know, heroin is just easier to get in some places than pills. Well, like, but, but to get back to the, tr- the whole thing, which, what Trump said, like we were talking about in the pre-show chat, even if for some ungodly reason we start killing drug dealers, it's, it's like I said, it's like going into 7-Eleven and, and shooting the clerk for selling beer. Does that stop the production of beer? Does that stop the sale of beer? It does maybe, zero. Yeah. Maybe for a couple hours until they find someone in to cover the rest of his shift. Right. That's it. And <laughs> exactly. let, me tell you something. let me tell you something. Drug kingpins run a tighter ship than 7-Eleven. They'll have someone on that fucking corner taking that person's spot a lot quicker than 7-Eleven. will have someone come in and cover the rest of the shift. Right. So I, it, it's, once again... it's. That's a bad. That's a that's a bad break. I can see the bone. Here's a band aid. You feel better? No. Right. I mean, this this is just seems to be more of Trump's mouth diarrhea. I, I don't think there's any actual policy that comes out of this. And even if there is, nobody sees the electric chair because when people start seeing the types of people that are being round up and presented as drug dealers, that are the the people who are. are you know, selling their pills on the black market, it's going to be a lot of white middle-class people. And the rest of America isn't going to stand for that. They're not going to let them fry. Well, that's part of this also. I think in, in Trump's it's, mind, you say drug dealers. If you could read his mind, the image that, the, that, that, that those two words bring guy. up in his head, yeah, it's some black guy in a corner. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm just going to be honest... Most of the heavy drug users or drug dealers I've ever known, white guys. I mean, I'm talking the heavy. I'm not talking weed. Weed's everywhere. Where the fuck you been yeah. for the last 60 years, you know? But I'm talking, like, heavy shit. Not even ecstasy. Yeah. Crack, coke, meth, heroin, mostly white guys. I know that they'd that, 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 that sling that shit. I've known plenty of people who get wrapped up in a lot of dangerous, addictive drugs and... None of those cases were them meeting some black drug dealer who is like the first one's free, and you really got to try this shit. There's no high like it. It just doesn't happen that way. These were all people that were seriously emotionally scarred, who were looking to fill a void, and we're going to fill it no matter what. Yeah, I hate to burst everybody's bubble, but it's not like you've seen the after-school specials. All right, there right. is never. There is not how reality works. There's no such thing as a drug pusher. Nobody has to go out and busk on the corner most, to most, get their drugs sold. Most of the time, people the first time people try drugs are with their friends. There is no yes. fucking drug dealer lurking around schoolyards handing out the first one for free. Get the fuck out of here with that Nancy Reagan wet dream bullshit. Right, and that this is more of that same. This idea that, that somebody out there is like... Peddling pills because 
Yeah. Look, it, it just happens. It happens the same way that it happens with any other drug. You get yourself a habit. Then you start buying it in bulk to sell off to your friends who have the same habit so that you can afford your increasingly expensive habit. And now you're a drug dealer. It's that simple, kids. The American dream. <laughs> it worked for Scarface. <laughs> I know, right? George Young. All right. Well, okay, so th- these are things that this is Trump diarrhea, right? His stance on death penalty for drug dealers, nothing's going to happen like that. Yeah, I mean, we're. It, 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 I always to, am this guy, but it's like, we're like over a year in. Are we. Why? Stop acting surprised, everybody. He says crazy shit. You know, like what is it with John, what was it, John Oliver back in November? You know, when he just had this, you know, when he went off on this rant about at this point, sure, why not? And he just started making up crazy shit. At this point, you could tell me Trump said, you know, and insert something outrageous. And he, at this point, yeah, sure, why not? Like that's where I'm at. Whenever I hear shit, shit like this, like, yeah, all right, cool, it's Trump next, right? Well, he'll he'll do something on Twitter tonight, and we'll forget about it. Like well, or he'll make actual policy, and it'll get buried underneath all of the the bullshit about things that will never happen. Mm-hmm. Like his, uh, this is not just him talking off the cuff. This is actual policy that that he plans to put in place as of next week to impose uh, tariffs on steel and aluminum, which is. Part of the this goes right in line with the Trump doctrine of protection protectionism. This idea that we're letting instead of what's really happening is America being part of the uh, the global economy. He sees it as we're giving we're we're letting other countries come in and rape us by selling us things that we could produce for ourselves. But this this is a this, this is, is another a, short, short-sighted issue. I mean, this is more base catering, right? This is like the coal miner. Yeah, this is the this is getting the rust belt back on your side because you pissed him off with the drug with the with the gun comment earlier. Mm-hmm. Well, because while I'm sure American steel producers would love to see these tariffs put in place, because then they can raise the price of what they're charging. You know who's not going to like this? People Ooh. who make buildings. <laughs> <laughs> the, the fabricator. Everybody else who has to deal with that steel, who has to take that raw steel and make something out of it. A structure, a car, a, you know, all that shit's going up in price. Hey, but whatever, we're getting more money in our taxes, right? Or in our paychecks. Yeah, well, we're going to need it. Yeah, well, you know what? <laughs> Shit's going to get a lot more expensive. Guess what? At my if job... We start protecting all the raw materials to make shit out of. I didn't fucking notice because healthcare went up. So, yeah, not so you'd really notice it. Hey, yeah, you get more money in your check, but healthcare went up. So nothing happened. So... I th- yeah, I think that actually uh, went into effect my last paycheck. I'm not sure. It's all lies. You guys. Are- <clears throat> well, <clears throat> I was unsure that uh, some of the other guys in the office were talking about how their checks were a little bigger uh, because of the amount of child support that was <laughs> stripped from mine. It was difficult for me to tell. <laughs> <laughs> 
how much of a difference it was. I didn't sit down and crunch the actual numbers of what type of percentage the, the government took in taxes on my last check. Hey, it looks like my ex-wife got a lot more money this month. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> Actually, if it goes through the friend of the cunt, the state got a, got the, got a bigger cut of your money and sent what was left over to the, to the wife. That's, that's yeah. usually how that goes. Because remember... Friend of the court has all the money right now. It's in some limbo because she closed her bank account, and so they're just sitting on it, I guess. You should be like, hey, can I use that until she's ready for it? Yeah, can you put it in my bank account and at least let it collect some interest? Something? We'll let you know as soon as we find it. Yeah, that's got to love it. Got to love it. Uh, Yeah, I, you know, a year and a half ago, I was a lot more in favor of, yeah, you know, fuck it. Let's 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 hit these companies who move jobs overseas, move factories overseas, et cetera, et cetera. It, now I'm just exasperated because I don't think there is any solution. They're gonna they're gonna go where someone's gonna let give them the biggest tax breaks. And all this is gonna do is sour people on doing business with us. That's all it's going to do. And once he's out of office, this it's, shit's going to go back to the to the same global economy that we've been fucking moving towards for the last 50 years. Well, longer than that, since World War II. America first. And, and there, there, But I, there is no America first. That's the thing. Business people don't give a fuck about America. I know. Not one... Folks, if you're listening to my voice, not one business who... I mean, I'm not talking mom and pop business, whatever. Yeah, they might. They might still harbor delusions. You're, you're talking about industry. America. Yes, corporations gives a fuck about this country. Not one. No, they, they give a fuck about what this country can do for them. The P and L. Didn't it just come out that fucking like Amazon didn't pay any taxes in 2016? It's 2017. No taxes. Some one-time crazy exemption. Seven How billion in profit. Possible. Seven billion in profit. How come Jeff Bezos isn't being painted as a fucking corporate devil? That is definitely uses a Amazon. corporate devil move. Because everybody if, likes their if free delivery. Trump did that shit, people would be excoriating him. Well, Trump. Well, Trump does do that shit. I mean, I think the reason that Amazon was able to not pay taxes is because they are a constantly expanding business, right? If you. If you're constantly developing and, and growing, then there's things that there's incentives Come in there on. that you can Come write on. off. But they made seven it out. billion dollars. You telling me that? How could we not tax that? Okay. Come on, man. I'm playing the Come On Man card with that one. No. Seven billion dollars. I agree with you, but. So that's what I'm saying. They're they're taking advantage of this of the system the same way that that Trump has taken advantage of the system. It's just they're not playing the cut and run game. They are, I mean, at least they're actually producing jobs. You know, Trump may actually create some jobs until that hotel or casino is then bankrupt and then they're out of jobs. And and that that business has really added nothing to the economy. I'm not trying to defend Amazon. I think like. Clearly, our, our tax system is broken if Amazon can figure out a way to pay zero in taxes. And make $7 billion. But, yeah, I mean, at least they're growing. At least they're growing. At least they're adding to the economy. Unless, you know, unless 
this was all just a plan for tax money, and then uh, Jeff Bezos is going to claim bankruptcy this year. <laughs> oh, that's that's just that's just that. I heard that this week. I'm just like, wow. How can how can we get away with it? I didn't. I'll be honest. I think everybody likes Jeff Bezos, so we'll sweep this under the rug because we like him. I think there's a little bit of that in there too. I, you know, the older I get, the more I realize that that. Bob Dylan's song, You Gotta Serve Somebody, was absolutely positively right. One way or the other, you're gonna bow, you're gonna bend the knee for your master. It's just all there is to it. I mean, it's, it, it, all the, I just think all the dystopian science fiction I've read about corporations taking over for politics and, you know, corporations running the world. I mean, there's there's whole universes built around the, the idea that you know the Shadowrun universe, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm just like, yeah. Hey, at least you get something from corporations. You get numb from politics. It's like a money pit. It's, you know, at least Amazon no. will bring me food. I mean, we have roads, right? I mean, somebody's coming if my house catches fire. It's true. Yeah, where you live now, absolutely. Before. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <yeah>. Eventually. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're, out, you're on the list. Uh, yeah. Just leave a number where we can reach you. <laughs> Wait, somebody with a, somebody a six-digit income has a fire. We got to go there first. <laughs> and and as, as far as roads, we have what's left of roads here in Michigan. <laughs> yes. Dude, the pothole crisis has claimed my fucking driveway. I had a little divot in my driveway now, a piece that's sinking because of that thaw last week. I saw the most Michigan picture ever. It was a pothole repair crew. Did I say fat chick covered in gravy? With a half black baby and a Newport in her hand? No, <laughs> um, no it was a man. pothole repair crew. <laughs> <laughs> that's vehicle. <laughs> oh, I, am I? Oh, like I'm lying here. I'm, right? from the, Come on now. I'm from the east side. That hits a little close to home, man. Motherfucker. <laughs> it hits close to home. Down river, west side, yeah. northwest side. This is, it, Eminem wrote a song about it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, no, it was a pothole repair truck and a crew. And the, the back wheel of the truck was stuck in the pothole to where the front end of the truck was up in the air. And I was like, <laughs> that's right. There you go. That's 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 Michigan. That's pure Michigan right there, baby. It don't get better than that. And, you know, here's the bitch of it. There's really no excuse for any of this shit. I've been all over this country. I've been to areas that get colder weather than us. I've been I, I drove through Canada that gets colder weather than us. And they're yeah. all there. Everybody's roads are better. There is yeah. no excuse to crumble for every fucking year. Somebody was telling us it's because we are telling me that it's because we don't have a uh, in Michigan. Uh, some states have to use a certain grade of asphalt, and in Michigan we don't have that standard, so we just we let we let anybody use anything. Apparently, and that's why there, the quality of our roads is so bad with our asphalt, our cement, like. It, it very well could be because it's, it has to be something in in the quality of the materials being like you, used. It was saying it was saying something like, "Yeah, in some states you can't use below grade three or something like that." And he's like, "Michigan don't give a fuck. Michigan lets you use grade whatever." I mean, I lived in I lived in 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 I, I guess to be factually correct, we'll say Central New York, 
But I mean, for two weeks in the winter there, we didn't get above zero. We were sub-zero temperatures for two weeks straight. And I mean, it, 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 all the same shit, but worse that we have here. And I'm just like, what the fuck is the what the fuck is going on here? And here's here's what I love. Here's here's the, what they're trying to pimp now. Oh, uh, if a pothole has has dent, you know uh, damaged your rim or cost you tires, uh, fill out this form and send it in, and, and we'll reimburse you. So I went looking at it. I saw two people on a fucking on on a Facebook page for Wayne County. They had thousands of responses. I saw two people that said, oh, yeah, they actually reimbursed me. The rest of them said, no, that pothole's been there for a long time. You should have known better. Or, you know, we went to that area. There's no pothole there. Well, yeah, because you filled it in right. two days later. Or, yeah, absolutely. I was talking to a coworker the other day who said it wasn't this year, but a few years ago they had an incident where they, you know, ruined a rim on a pothole and contacted you know, whatever government organization that he had contact, and they were like, sure, send us a letter, send us a picture, you know, show the location of where the pothole is and everything as your as your evidence, and we'll look into it, and if we find that you have a case, we'll reimburse you for the cost of your rim. And he did so, and the state sent somebody out the next day to fill the pothole, and then they denied his claim. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, hey, at least he got the pothole filled, right? Or the other part of it, too, is they jam it up with so much bureaucracy, you just give up. I had an incident when I was oh, yeah. like 19 or 20 with a, a car got damaged by a piece of uh, 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 mismarked uh, construction equipment in the road. And the process was so ridiculous, I just went, great. Uh, so basically it was... Yeah, it'll take 90 days for us to figure out if we'll pay you, and if, we'll, and if we're going to pay you, then it takes 90 days to get your money. So you're telling right. me in six months, great, my car's broken now, I'm just going to get it fixed, and fuck it. Right, and like, in the meantime, how many, how many hours of your life will be involved in chasing that down? Yeah, like, you know, I got insurance. Go to the courthouse, or, you know, on the phone. Yeah. You know, I... I was talking when I was talking to my brother recently. He was asking me, you know, so what's going on? Blah blah blah. How's the winter been up there? Because they've had kind of a rough winter for them in Florida. And I was just telling him, you know, well, I I literally in the month of February spent half of what I pay in rent on tires and getting my rims fixed. Uh, and then he's like, well, doesn't your insurance cover that? I said, no, no. You want insurance? It's that's. That's special insurance you have to pay above and beyond for. And he's like, so wait a minute. So you're telling me you have the highest insurance rates in the country. I said, yeah, if not the highest, we're in definitely the top three. No, we are, we're, we are number one. We're, yep. also, we're also, according to the federal government statistics, some of the safest drivers in the country, yet we still pay all that insurance. We have some of the worst roads in the country, if not the worst roads in the country, and they can use your credit rating and any medical debt that you owe to set your decide how much you're going to pay in car insurance. He goes, so basically what you're telling me is the state of Michigan really hates anyone who's not rich. Not meaning me, meaning anyone who's not wealthy. And I'm like, has, has, has he been to California? And I, no, 
Yes, and I, and I, I told him, I said, you know, I never really looked at it that way. But yeah, I mean... Yeah. My my insur my monthly insurance payment is more than my car payment. And an, that's ah. not a, I'm not the only one in Michigan. Mine is fifty bucks shy of my car payment. So I mean it's I'm almost paying a double that's car payment. Yeah. And my 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 fucking I can't wait to get rid of this truck simply based on my tag. My tag is three hundred fucking dollars. For yeah, what? Okay, if they go by weight. For what? Yeah. Three hundred fucking because- happy birthday. Give us three hundred dollars. Drive a fucking. I'm gonna get, be like you. Drive a Ford Festiva. Yeah. Can you still oh, get like a Geo Metro? <laughs> 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 I would say get it, guys. I I literally saw this the other day. Cop had a guy on a pedal bike pulled over. Oh yeah, it, you, you can get a DUI on a bike. I I, I had I I'm thinking it has to be it because why else would he fucking roll up on a guy and have him literally like off his bike standing you know against the cop car. And like it looked like he was going through the process of searching him, so that probably means he got stuffed in the back of the cop car. And I'm like, what? He's on a pedal bike on the sidewalk. I mean, it, <laughs> it, it can't is, pull over any further. Uh, exactly. I mean, I, the 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 madness of this area is just blowing my mind. On top of that, once when I sent you guys that story about that teacher in Florida. I was like, why the fuck didn't I just move back to Florida? And, and, seriously, like, I, I, I look, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fat, disgusting 40-year-old guy. I understand I'm never going to fuck these women. But at least, if I'm going to be poor, I can have something to look at. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. get, let the spank bank too? get full. She, she was sending nude photos to this kid. She can send them to me. Uh, well, Seven, three, four, two, nine. No. <laughs> Come on. I'm saying, kid, do the right thing. They're fucking six. Yeah, everyone. Right. <laughs> Pay it forward, buddy. Pay it forward. No, I. I, I, mean, I, I mean, not that I'm that for like people, you know, private stuff getting out there. But I don't have much sympathy for this woman. Look, I don't. I don't. I don't, under, I don't. I don't understand why all of a sudden, if you take pictures of yourself having sex or nude. Upload them to a cloud. The cloud gets hacked. You get to walk around being butt hurt and acting like it's horrible. You're a horrible person if you look at my nude pictures. Nice. Because back in the day, we had the exact same thing. They were called Polaroids. And they got passed around like baseball cards. Okay? Well, right. I kind of think of it as like if I took uh, a bunch of cash and I went out to a park and buried it next to a rock and left it there. Right? I'd feel like money's fairly secure nobody's probably going to find it but what on the off chance that like somebody actually digs it up i can't really cry about it that's where i left my shit exactly it's a different story someone look you know jay has said it aaron you've said it we've all said it at various times over the four years of the show if if it is supposedly protected or you know it's 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 if it's hackable it will get hacked eventually period Nothing is impenetrable. On a long enough timeline, someone will find a way to get to something. And the only way is to not take, if you don't want nude pictures of yourself floating around, is to not take them. Guys, in, well, right. I, I mean, the, the, the cloud itself is secure, but the, they didn't hack the cloud, they hacked people's passwords. That's what I'm saying. There was a New Year's Eve party, 98 going into 99, that I whipped my nuts out. And threaded it and, and, and stuffed them through my fucking my, my, my zipper on my pants 
And someone took a picture of it. Oh, me too, Rich. I have no I fucking deal where that picture's at, but I know it's out there somewhere. (laughs) Now, if if for whatever reason, in fantasy land, in a parallel universe, I become famous, and this picture comes out, I'm not going to get upset. I knew what the fuck I was doing when I stuffed my balls through my fucking open zipper. You're like, look at them. I was young. They were so smooth. They, they hung higher. <laughs> yeah, they had never been introduced to toilet water yet. You yeah. know, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's like, come on, come on now. And on top of that, you know, if if you are drop dead gorgeous or built like a fucking brick shit house, and don't even have a six pack, got an eight pack and a ten inch cock, I, I, I'm sorry, I, I'm having a hard time feeling sympathy for you for your nudes getting leaked. <laughs> oh, it's horrible. Everyone knows you're hung. Gee, you'll never get laid again. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Just shut up. Seriously. You know, it's like Michael Fassbender walking around in that movie. Uh, I, I can't remember, but the, the movie literally opens with his big-ass fucking hog flopping around. Just dick swinging. And then he got pissed when someone brought it up in an interview. And it's like, well, motherfucker, you knew what you were doing when you threaded that fucking python out of your pants. What the fuck? Well, the two, really? The movie opens with it. I'm not going to bring it up. Exactly. Come on now. I mean, I know I could understand if, you know, 30 years later, he sits down for an interview, and the first question is, so, I hear you're packing. You're like, yeah, go see the movie. It's 30 years old, asshole. But when you're doing, when you're doing press for the movie, don't be shocked when the first five minutes is you walking around. It don't, even, it don't even show his face. It shows him from mid-chest down. The shot is literally above his knee, below his fucking, below his pecs. Cock. That's it. That's the shot. And it's like, come on, man. Really? I mean, I don't know. Exactly. 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 And I mean. Audio like, from know, the movie. <laughs> it was my response no, was, when I saw the movie. I was rich seeing the movie, yeah. <laughs> actual audio. <laughs> um you know, it's like when Jennifer Lawrence, she just did a nude scene in some movie, and she's like, well, this is different because I chose to do it, and I, my privacy wasn't violated, and blah, 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 blah. All right, I get it. You know what I'm saying? It's embarrassing, I guess. But, honey, I saw the pictures. You ain't got nothing to be embarrassed about. And You're was, all right. This, You're I'm, okay. As much as I'm not I'm on the fence about her, I will defend her in the same interview. She said, hey, if you don't like boobs, don't go see this movie. Or say right. it's... She was also talking about how uh, she was making the the crew uncomfortable with their nudity when they were filming these. Oh, scenes. me too, on Jennifer Lawrence. Because she, you know, normally when they do a nude scene, it's like as soon as they yell "cut," somebody's got a robe around you, and you know, you cover yourself up. And there was she was doing all these scenes where she was completely nude, and she was just walking around naked even when they weren't filming because. She's like, what's the fucking point? Like, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna go. All they're doing is like resetting the lighting real quick, and in five more minutes, I'm gonna be nude again. And everyone here has seen it, obviously. <laughs> you know, I, I, if if she's if if she did that and like, you know, caught a crew member See, sneaking I, a look, no, and she walked no, over, I'm to starting a crew to turn the corner on her. Yeah, if, if if she saw a crew member sneaking a look, and she walked up to a crew member, and was like, look. You got a 10-second window. Take it in. Okay, 10 seconds. It was obviously yes. shorter than 10 seconds, but 10 seconds is up. Eye contact. All right? Yeah. Get, it, now, get, get it in the spank bank, and let's move on with our lives. Yep. 
now let's act like we're professionals here. Yeah, I, right. I, res- I under I would I respect that. I understand that. I mean, I, I understand that the the invasion of privacy when it comes to like you know personal photos that you you may have sent somebody or something like that. But to be more outraged by that than you know some paparazzi catching a shot of you where it looks like you have a double chin because you're making a weird face and you happen to be eating ice cream at the same time, like. At least the, the the one that everyone wants to to share and is going around the internet is a, one of you looking super hot. Okay, I think I think like when those boobs say you're gonna have a different outlook on it. You're gonna be like, well, look, at least there's this whole all this documentation of me when I was super hot. You know, I it's not a popular viewpoint on it. I understand that, but whatever. The minute you take a nude picture and go. I'm going to attach this and send it. It is out of your control. You have given up control of who sees that picture. Now, is the person a scumbag if, they, if he's, the minute he gets it, he starts showing all his friends? Yes, he is. But that was a risk you took. All right. I've been asked one time in my life, send me a dick pic. And after trying to find the perfect angle to make it look like I got a hog down there and it wasn't working, I just said, that ain't happened. And fucking that was the end of it. Now, if I'd have fucking took a picture and sent it, how am I going to get mad if my, my buddy's like, hey, what's up, dumb dick? I'm like, oh, shit, how'd you see that? You just went to the fridge and got a kielbasa. Hold on, I'm flaccid. Here you go. <laughs> get a knife and carve a head on it and shit. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Why is it curved like that? It's yeah, just the way it is. I don't, don't know. worry I about it. You. I can fuck you from around the corner. Don't worry about it. It's the hickory. But no, I, I, I've never understood that. It's just, you know, when I was in high school... There was a, I mean, it wasn't a large group of, of, of kids that did this, but there was a group of kids that, for whatever reason, were taking pictures of themselves naked. And that, like I said, it got pa- all those got passed around like fucking baseball cards. Oh, me too on this whole conversation. Well, and it's like, right, it's like what it's did like you expect a, to happen? <laughs> yeah. It's like getting in a car accident and then going like, why did this happen to me? Like, look, this... It's nothing personal. It just fucking happens. I mean, should we have, we should definitely have laws that protect the types of privacies that we want protected. And even if this information is digital, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't try and control it, but we should live in the reality that, you know, just as it's super easy for you to hop online and torrent you know, the latest Marvel movie and steal from Marvel, it's just as easy for somebody to find the pictures that you don't want somebody to find and post those online. Doesn't mean any of that shit should be legal, but let's live in the reality of how easy it is. It goes back start to- with that. And stop being so outraged when it does happen. You know, you're not outraged. You might be bummed out or fucked up over a car accident, but nobody really gets outraged because... Ultimately, like yeah, you drive around and people get into accidents and shit happens. When you get into a car and you start it up and you put that motherfucker in drive, you're assuming a risk. Period. When you take a picture of yourself nude, send it to somebody, you're assuming a risk. Yeah. Period. Okay. You can, once again, you can't nerf the world. The world's never going to be 100% safe. It's, life isn't going to be 100% fair. It's impossible. So stop crying about shit you can't do anything about and be proactive instead of reactive. If you don't want fucking your nudes floating around, 
Don't take nude pictures and send them to people. Real simple. I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, it's, it, you know, it's like when I hear of, uh, you know, former porn stars who are like, well, I found Jesus and I think that, that all these porn companies should take all my videos off the internet. What? Are you serious? That's not how fucking this works. You can, you can separate yourself from the porn work you did and never go back into it. But even if fucking, let's just say Vivid, a big, a big porn company, like took everything from a certain porn star off because she requested it because she found Jesus or whatever. How many people do you think own copies, physical copies of it or digital copies of it? And how long do you think once you take something out of, out of, out of the, the rotation and you make it taboo, you're going to have people who want to find it and, and own a copy of it just because of its, its taboo. So you're going to create even more of a demand for it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, I it just it, it amazes me and I, I you know I was listening to a Joe Rogan podcast and he had a guy on Kyle Kalinske and they were talking about Hollywood and he's like you know Hollywood is very insular these people do not deal in reality they have their world and in their world you have to do XYZ and they think that's how the, the, the wider world works and it just doesn't that's it's just not reality you know and yeah you know I it, do I think paparazzi are scum yeah for the most part for the most part I really do but I know that if for whatever God you know knows why reason if I was getting off an airplane and paparazzi hopped up and started taking pictures of me flipping out getting pissed off making a scene isn't going to help my situation I mean, I've watched enough well, clips of, on TMZ to see that 90% of the time, if, if the, the, the celebrity paparazzi's taking pictures of talks to him and goes, hey, guys, yeah, you know, I, I, I'll talk to you while I'm walking, but, you know, I only got a couple minutes, so go ahead and ask your questions. 90% of the time, it goes smooth. The paparazzi gets, you know, a, a, a few shots and a, and a few questions in, and they got some video they could sell. And the celebrity comes off like, you know, dare I say, a decent human being. Magnanimous, even. I mean, and, and don't get me wrong, even when I see, like, a celebrity go, look, guys, it's just been, it's been a really rough day. Just, you know, get a couple pictures, come on. And, you know, can, can, I, can I get some space? If they do that, they, a lot of the times they, they do that. They go, okay, click, click, all right, thanks for the pictures. Sorry you're having a bad day. Have a good one. That's the end of it. You know, it's the whole Halle Berry. There's a child here. And but you're right. beating up that bitch in, in, in the airport and all that shit. The, the, that's the shit right. that gets replayed over and over and over. Like whether whether uh, the paparazzi are, are morally right or wrong is kind of not the point. It's, it's like asking whether the, the drug dealer has a moral stance. It, it doesn't matter because even if you... Yeah, execute that drug dealer or something happens or he just quits so like somebody else is coming in to take his place because the demand's there it's not about you know the the morals of the people out there trying to capture the images and sound bites of these people it's about the very high demand from the public to ingest this material to get every little scrap of like oh Where's so and so shopping, and what are they wearing, and what are they like when they're not being filmed, and and all that? It's it's not like this is just some coincidence. Like we have these people that are just driven to follow celebrities, 
and get every little piece of their life out there and people start eating that up. They're doing that because there's a demand for it. Yeah, and there's the 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 smart, I guess, celebrities get on top of that. And, you know, I'm thinking of, you know, guy who just had a heart attack, Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith is, is he'll, he'll, you know, he interacts with his fans. He has an online presence. You know, he, he gets the same amount of trolling that any other celebrity does. But look what happened when he had a heart attack. Look at the people that come out of the woodwork. You know, to, to wish him well, who hardly even knew him. You know, I mean, there was that whole thing with Chris Pratt. You, know, you can't, you can't pray for him because he had a heart attack. Whatever the fuck, Chris Pratt was like, I don't really know you all that well, but you know, I love Clerks, I love your movies. Get better soon. You know, I mean, that's that's one way to handle it. The other way to handle it, I guess, is to go the Kardashian route and just cash in as much as possible. But I mean, it's, either way is still getting on top of it. You know. Sean Penn has been known as an asshole for fucking decades because he punches photographers. And I really wanted, I'd really like to know how much money he shelled out over the decades for punching photographers. <laughs> I'm sure it's probably a healthy amount. Send a couple they of their kids to college. I think he feels it's probably worth it, though. <laughs> like, if somebody just flat out said, hey, five million bucks and you could punch this guy right now, he's like, I got five. Yeah, yeah, there's, a, yeah there's a few people I'd be like, I'll take that hit. <laughs> you know, I, you know oh, yeah. I, oh yeah oh <laughs> if you said right now five million bucks for somebody famous to punch you it's like just once yeah, it was like when absolutely we, when we were kids we'd always talk you know would you fight mike tyson and i had buys man fuck that i wouldn't even get in the ring i'm like oh i'd get in the ring and the minute they rang the bell i'd die for the mat start counting motherfucker you didn't say i had to take a punch i just had to get in the ring <laughs> yeah <laughs> now where's my payday at <laughs> Tyson be like I didn't even touch him I didn't even touch it that's right you didn't have to yeah you're the best fighter in the world Mike I just fell out of fear yep exactly uh, oh shit but yeah that uh, you know it, it, Kevin Smith having a heart attack you know that it, I don't know that, that was another reminder we're getting old yeah yeah, and I mean it, it hits home because you know we, we we do share a lot of the him and I do share a lot of the same traits, and I mean, you know I follow his career enough and his you know his he releases you know his question and answer sessions and shit like that usually one every couple of years or so, and I've as far as I know watched them all, and I mean I know that he's lost over a hundred pounds. He quit smoking about ten years ago. He. Pretty much is a half-ass vegetarian. I think he's limited to chicken and fish. Now he's talking about going full vegan. Like all these lifestyle changes, and his body was like, "Yeah, that's nice." Damage, Check this out. Damage is done, son. Pretty much. You oh. know. Well, I mean, it could it could be about that there was damage already done. I'm sure that has a lot to do with it. Is family I history mean, plays a lot. His dad died young of a heart attack. The exact that, same, that exact same artery was 100 percent blocked on his dad, and that's what killed him. Yeah. So and, I mean, and and sometimes when you do these lifestyle changes, if you don't do them right or you do shit too quickly, you know, your your body running on the way it used to may have not been ideal, but it knew how to handle that. Well, one of the things in his initial release or his initial statement after uh, they had implanted the stent and all that in him, you know, he said, 
he was calm through the whole thing. Even once, you know, because, you know, he said, I just started sweating. I felt like my chest was real heavy. Uh-huh. Someone called the, you know, an ambulance. I get to the hospital and they're not really, they're asking me questions and they're like, okay, you're coherent. So then they start talking amongst themselves and he hears the word massive heart attack, 100% blocked. And he's like, wait a minute, I had a heart attack, you know, and he was completely calm through the entire thing. And it's like, he just was like, yeah, it would suck if I was to die right now. But if I was to die right now, I've had a pretty good fucking life. You know, I'm not leaving this world with a ton of regrets. And when I read that, I was like, I mean, I can only hope that, you know, when it's my turn, that I can I can have that good of an attitude about it. Yeah. Because I've, I've seen a lot yeah. of people in my family die from prolonged diseases and, and, and shit. And, I mean, they fight tooth and nail. They're in denial about it. They never fucking, like, my mother never admitted she was dying from cancer, period. Never once. Even when she was in her final stay at hospice, I mean, she refused to say, you know, this is it. She refused to make any plans. She wouldn't talk about what she wanted done with anything. And it was like, you see that and you go, that's not the way I want to go. You know, I... I, I, I kind of want, I, I don't know, it, the whole thing hit close to home because it's like, you know, I have heart issues. God knows I'm not a fucking healthy person. A large part of me feels like I've already done the damage, so what's the fucking point? And another large part of me goes, do I love life enough to fucking make all these changes and be miserable? Not be able to do anything I want to do just so I can stick around for what? Alzheimer's that kills everyone in my family who lives long enough? I mean, so I, I kind of understood where he was coming from. You know, and I was like, eh, I kind of feel the same way. You know, I, it just to me, it's a it's a it's a much healthier way to go about dealing with the reality of your own demise than a lot of people I know. Like my brother's my brother's like, no, 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 I'm gonna live until they until they can implant my my consciousness in a, in a in a robot body, and then I'm gonna live forever. I'm like, he might, all, yeah, with what <laughs> harsh language and dirty looks. He ain't fucking Mark Cuban. He ain't got the type of money to fucking get that done. They're not going to be handing out robot bodies to motherfuckers without college degrees. There's going to be no Medicaid for that. No, we're all fucking, we're the, we're the worker bees. We're the drones. We'll be the first to fucking die. It's the rich people that'll be living forever. Elon Musk leading the charge. Well, no, I mean, I didn't read that quote from Kevin Smith, but that definitely makes sense. I, I'm... I definitely wish him well. I'm a huge fan. I listened to his uh, podcast with Mark Bernard and uh, Fat Man on Batman on a regular basis. And when he talks about, like, he talks about anything, the, the movies that he's doing now, the, the projects that he's involved in, this is all just, all the stuff is gravy for him. He seems like a man who's accomplished more than he even thought that he could. And, like, well, let's see. Uh, th- this week's episode, actually, they ran one from last year, even though it was dated from uh, a few days ago. I don't know if what if there was a mix-up or something like that, or if it had anything to do with him, like maybe missing uh, an episode because of his health issues. But he he was talking about uh, the Star Wars television show that they had announced last year, and I think it was Mark who had asked if he would be 
because he's done television now he's worked on on some of the cw shows like the flash and supergirl and he was asked if you know what wouldn't that be great if you could direct uh a uh, a star wars television show or even he has been asked before too if he would be interested in directing a superhero movie now that these superhero movies are are so popular and he's like no i don't need any of that he's like i don't i don't I don't need that responsibility. First of all, he, he just—he seems like he's very comfortable in the fact that he—he's accomplished what he's want, what he's wanted to, and he doesn't—I don't know—he has—he has realistic goals, I guess, about what it takes to make a, a happy life, and it's kind of heartening to hear that in that moment of kind of conceptualizing your own life and death that. He felt pretty satisfied with that. That it wasn't one of those situations where, like, I have so much more that I need to do. He went from maxing out his credit card to building. He has an entertainment empire. Did all right. He's got a wife, kids. I mean, yeah, he's he. That's one of the things he said. You know, his wife. She was well. I mean, she had a career before they got married. But I mean, you know, his daughter. He's put her in a few movies. Now she's doing movies that he has nothing to do with based solely on her own merit as an actress. And he's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I've helped the people around me. And I, I, I mean, that's, that's ultimately, I guess that's, that's what she, to me, he's like the gold standard of you're way too nice to have gotten this hot and far in the business you got into. You know, the best description I've ever heard of him was just recently on the Drew and Mike podcast when they were talking about him and, I didn't realize that they had they had actually talked to him and interviewed him more than a handful of times, and he always gave him longer time than you know they thought he was going to give him. Answered any question, I think they asked him about Affleck at one point, and he didn't back down, back away from the question, or say, you know, I don't want to talk about that or nothing like that. Gave him an honest answer. He's like, we're just not friends anymore, not not really. And Drew said, Kevin Smith's the type of guy that if Kevin Smith doesn't like you. Most likely you're an asshole because he gets along with everybody. And I'm like, that's that's a pretty fucking high compliment. I mean, it, 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 it's hard to go through life and not piss a bunch of people off, you know. And the fact that he's such an easygoing guy who's had success in a business that's cutthroat as it is, and he stayed loyal to his people, people who were there from the beginning. I mean, if you ever if you ever do want to do some reading, there's a, there's a, I, think, I think it's like a seven-part essay he wrote called Me and My Shadow about him and Jay Muse. And everything he went through with Jay Muse, with Jay Muse's addiction. Mm-hmm. And pretty much everybody threw their hands up and said, fuck it. He, Jay's walking around dead. He just ain't got sense enough to lay down and die. And Kevin Smith never gave up on him. He, it got to a point where he had, you know, there was like an intervention. And he was like, look, you don't go get help. I'm, I, can't, I can't keep letting you live here and disappear for two weeks and give you money knowing what you're doing with it. But if, you know, if you want help, I'm here for you. And I think you pretty much reach that point with everybody reaches that point, and in, in, in if they have a deep enough of, a, of an addiction to where you, you force people's hands to make that decision, but he still wasn't a dick about it. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I mean, it's so easy to go. Well, he's just a fucking you know, Jay's just a fucking junkie, and that's his problem. Mm-hmm. And he never did. And I mean, that's I, I, loyalty goes a long way with me. And he seems like a loyal. I mean, loyal to a fault type of guy. He's also, I think he's a, he's a positive definition for the term driven because when we think about people who are driven to be successful, they, you know, like I'm going to, 
a, a driven producer would be like want to just take over the world, like have a, that media empire that just engulfs everything. And Kevin Smith is just driven to do the types of movies that he wanted to do. I mean, you, I think he gets he gets kind of uh, painted with the Gen X slacker brush a bit, but I don't. <laughs> He's opposite of a slacker. Slackers don't do anything. Right. I mean, you don't... You have the slacker attitude, but I mean, you didn't have the get output. Get the, the career and, the, and get to make the types of movies that Kevin Smith has made if you're not driven to do that. We're ever going to see that Kevin Smith Superman movie? Think he'll ever make it just because? Where he fights the giant spider? No, I don't think so. Where Superman has a, has a personal army in the fortress of solitude? <laughs> And he had to explain to the producer, it says in the name, Fortress of Solitude. Why would Superman, first of all, why would Superman need an army to protect him? And why would an army be in the Fortress of Solitude? <laughs> <laughs> and why would he be fighting polar bears? Okay, well, we're going to have him fight a spider. What? No. This ain't it. This ain't yeah. the end of the fucking book, it. We're not going to have fucking Superman fighting a giant spider. Get the fuck out of here. But well, you There's know, also a scene where Superman pisses himself. I, 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 are you serious or are you fucking with us? No, I'm fucking with you. He was, okay. <laughs> sorry. Uh, Who knows, that's a, nerd, that's, a, that's a real nerdy joke. He did a, uh, wrote a Batman series, The Widening Gyre, where uh, Batman pisses himself in fear. That was, I mean, people, you think people go nuts when they see a gun in Batman's hand. They were like, that's not my Batman. <laughs> Hashtag not my Batman. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, and something else that he's done that I admire and I've tried to do with, with, with some friends of mine, uh, they just have no interest in it, is when he moved up the ladder, he didn't pull the ladder up behind him. He said, okay, guys, come on. If you want to go on this ride, let's go. Come on, come on up the ladder with me. And, I mean, that takes a lot of fucking, it takes a lot right. of balls and security and, and confidence in yourself. It's it's yeah right it, and not only that but whereas a lot of people that get into a position like that where you know they're able to be entrusted with millions of dollars from studios and you know the careers of people who are going to be involved in these movies and it's always like this person came out of nowhere like they're an overnight success this movie's blowing up no one expected any of this shit and and he's always talked he's always been very open about his process. I mean, you, Chris mentioned the going into debt for thousands of dollars on many different credit cards just to make the movies that he wanted to make. And it's, it's not just about doing it and bringing the people with you along with that experience, but also showing other people how it's done, not how to be successful in the industry, how to make the movie or whatever it is, the product that you want to do, the TV show, the podcast, write a book, write a comic book, you know, any of this shit. And it starts with just fucking doing it. Yeah. You know, he, he didn't make Clerks because he had an elevator pitch to a studio and was like, all I need is X amount of money. He made Clerks because he wanted to see that movie. And so he's like, well, how do you make movies? Well, you start by making movies yeah it's it's one of the things that i've i've you know i've told a few friends and family members who are like you know how do you do this how do you play guitar how do you 
do a podcast, et cetera, et cetera. I say, uh, well, the first thing you got to do is fucking do it right. and understand yeah. you're not going to be great at everything instantaneously. And to understand that just because you stumble doesn't mean you have to throw in the towel. Right. And yeah, I, I, I know that a lot of people have a, a soft spot for the, the movie Clerks, and some, some people even think that that was his best work. That was the most pure Kevin Smith movie that there is. It's not my favorite. It has a lot of flaws. I find it rather boring at most parts. And it's got, but it has some really funny jokes in it. That's about it. But it, it's essential. Like you see, it, that's part of him, you know, building the way that he makes movies. That ends up with these unique results that I thoroughly enjoy even ones that not everybody seems to like <laughs> like his newer stuff i think he's getting better he's continued to get better as a filmmaker well, i mean I, I will i will say this i re, i re, re recently watched tusk uh-huh that is a fucking disturbing fucking movie <laughs> i mean i i felt i was like oh god i felt like i i i, it, I watched it and I told a buddy about it when it first came out, and he watched it, and he said, wait a minute, that was a Kevin Smith movie? And I was like, yeah. He's yeah. like, I had no fucking idea. I'm like, I know, right? I was like, what? didn't you just, weren't you kind of like left like just feeling disturbed after you got to watch it? He's like, fuck yeah. It's like, it's like the end of Requiem for a Dream. Man. There's no happy ending here. Yeah. It's uh, the antithesis of what most of his fucking movies had been up to that point. Well, Red State came out before it, so I guess there's that. But I mean, I, I when I saw Red State, I didn't think that that was going to be a direction he was going in. Damn sure didn't think Yoga Hosers was next on the list. That's for sure. <laughs> but yeah, I I don't know. It it, it was it it's it is interesting and the softer side of me uh, kind of like was happy to see that a guy who seems to be as good as Kevin Smith is didn't take a bunch of bullshit and at least I haven't read it you know I haven't read the the you know the, the op-eds are like well he's a fucking fat ass what do you expect not to have a heart attack and it's like all right you know yeah we we get it but i mean at a certain point you're just fucking you're taking candy from a baby yeah it's nice to see a good guy win, even even when he has a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, even even when it scared the shit out of everybody. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, it, before we wrap up for this week, I wanted to ask you, I don't know if you've seen, have you seen the Black Panther movie? Am I the only I, one? I have not, no. Even okay. though, real quick, just to, as an aside, yeah. I don't know if this was a fuck up on IGN's social media person. Yeah. But... They posted the five-minute ending fight between uh, was it Kill, uh, Killmonger, Killmonger and Black Panther? Yeah, they, it was a five-minute clip of the, and I was like, "Why are you wow, showing?" How did they even get that? I have no idea. It was it was on their Facebook page. I watched that, and then I I watched it, and then like I'm watching, it, I'm going, "This seems like it'd be the end of the movie." And I started scrolling through the comments, and they're like, "Why the fuck are they showing the end of the movie?" Oh, uh, wait, I'm, how did how did the scene end? Did, they, did you see it to the through to the completion of the fight? I think I turned it off once I realized it was that spoilerific. Let me ask you this then: Was it 
I don't they were both in suits. They were um, both in suits. Oh, then that was the final end. That was the final battle scene. Yes, there's okay. a mid. There's a midway through the movie. There's a there's a battle scene between them, and there's the final one. So I was just wondering yeah. which one they were showing. Yeah, they were both in suits, and I don't. You know, honestly, it was, it was strange to see it. Like I said, it was just weird. That's really weird. That seems like somebody posted the wrong clip or too long of a clip or, or something like that. I mean, to show that much of the movie. And it's not like this is a movie where the studio is really trying to hype it. And they're like, oh, we'll, we'll leak, you know, this five-minute footage of this big battle scene and everyone will want to come see it. Like, everyone's gone and seen this movie. Well, except for you guys. But everybody yeah. else has gone to see this movie. <laughs> I, I just, I have zero interest in it. It's not yeah. a character I'm familiar with. I'm not... It's an interesting movie. I don't care about I mean, the hype. Like, it's... The movie's great. I mean, it's beautiful. It... The characters are great. The, this is like the best villain that maybe the best villain that Marvel's ever had in on film. The, the most fully developed villain too. Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe. I mean, it's maybe one of those. We'll watch it. And we'll have more to talk about. It's 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 a really weird movie though. It it fails in some really strange ways. That I mean, the movie's racist as fuck. First of all, towards who? Like, well, the the movie's very pro African and very anti American and anti African American. Like Wakanda has high regard for Wakanda and low regard for just about every other country, but especially America. And I don't know. I, I feel like I, that, I don't know. Okay, on one that, side, like the. That would make sense for some of the re- the reviews or comments I've seen about it because I've seen people say, you know, this is this is the movie for black people to go see to connect with their roots in Africa, and I'm like, it's a fucking fake country. Yeah, it's not a real country. There's actually a show called Roots. I mean, well, it's more it's, historically it's, accurate. Well, in a way, actually, Rich, I think this is more appropriate because. Of- even though Wakanda is not a real country, um, when people, when when black people in America talk about trying to connect with their roots in Africa, you know, they don't know exactly where those roots are from. They know it's a lot from of the them continent, don't. Yeah. but not what country, much less what tribe or region they may actually be from. <laughs> I'm just so, reminded of I'm just reminded of Scrubs where Turk and Carla are talking, and Turk's like. You've never been to Puerto Rico. You're from Chicago. And she's like, oh, really? Where are your people from? The motherland? <laughs> <laughs> what country is that? Africa? Africa's not a country. It's a continent. It, it right. doesn't well, matter. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't feel like there's a lot that could be really spoiled about this movie. I mean, even specific plot points, it's still, it's, it's, even if somebody laid out the whole movie for me and told me what it was about, I would have enjoyed it just as much. But the, yeah, there's certain moments in it that really seemed strange. And but isn't that the, what the, the isn't big, that the, isn't that Disney and isn't that them pandering to a crowd? I, I don't, mean, it, I don't know what I don't know what crowd they're pandering to in this case. I'll just tell you, okay. So at the end of the big battle scene, when Killmonger loses, because he's the villain, 
That's yeah, not a spoiler to say that he that he loses. He has his. It's kind of a death scene, but I don't. We don't really see him die, so he could be back. He he says to Chala, the the Black Panther, bury me in the ocean, because that's where my people are. My people are the ones who jump from the ship rather than be put into slavery in America. I'm paraphrasing here, but I mean, he's talking about the Middle Passage and claiming that his. I mean, just on a technical aspect, kind of a side note, like. The people who jump from the ship can't be your people because they didn't pass on their genes. But anyway, <laughs> um, you know whether you like it or not, if you're an African American, your people are the people who stayed on the ship. <laughs> so it's true. Um, but he, so he says that, and with the idea being that you know the the people who came over actually were like succumbing to. They, they were being broken, that they were weaker than, than other Africans that fought it. I, I'm not really sure. And then there's other l- smaller things. Like, there's a scene where once, well, I guess, you know, Wakanda and, Ch- and their king kind of come to their senses on their global viewpoint. Because part of the big struggle is that uh, Killmonger wants to take over Wakanda because he has a, a plan for it that involves Wakanda actually helping to support black people all over the world who are being oppressed. And this isolationist policy that Wakanda has is, is letting, you know, its quote-unquote brothers all over the world uh, be oppressed. So they do start to have some outreach program. There's a scene where the, one of these really impressive-looking Wakandan ships, looks like a spaceship, lands in... Uh, I don't know, it was like Brooklyn or somewhere, somewhere in New York. And it lands in the middle of this basketball court where all these kids are playing. And and they all run up to the the ship and start like, ooh, they're touching it and like, you know, doing shit. If you saw a fucking spaceship, you'd be freaked out and fascinated and want to know more about it. But the dialogue, what they're talking about, is stripping it for parts and trying to sell it. And so are they black or are they black kids? Yeah. Then that's racist. <laughs> it can't be, though, because it's a black it's like director and a black screenwriter. Racist. It's like racist as fuck and totally, tonally deaf as well. Like, they wouldn't even, any kid, I don't care what color you are, you see a fucking spaceship, the first thing you can think is that, like, we can strip this. So what you're saying is for parts. this isn't a hundred percent with top critics or ninety seven percent with all critics movie. I'm saying it's a great looking. I mean, if you're talking about the craft of making a movie and telling a story, it's all there. I mean, the movie's great in that respect. Audience has well, it at seventy nine. Do you agree with that? I think that's a lot closer to the truth. Yeah. And it's because of these little moments that really take you out of it. But hold on, because let's be honest, there there is a portion of people that if a fucking spaceship landed in a fucking crime, you know, high crime area, it would be like, damn, aluminum's going for 40 cents a pound. I wonder what we can get for whatever yeah. the fuck that's made out of. I'll get some money for this. Scrappers. Yes, yeah. But it's not going to be 10-year-old kids playing basketball. No, now that yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, there was there was a there was a Batman basketball's racist too. There was if it was a scrapper and and that scrapper happened to be black, I I'd say sure. But 
when you say like a te- that's what a ten-year-old black kid is going to think, you're kind of no. saying this is what this is how black people think. That child would not say that. Yes, I no, I'm, I'm absolutely with you because there was a Batman comic book in the '80s. I don't remember if it was Batman or Detective Comics, but something happened. And once it happened in the comic book, I was like, why hasn't this happened before? Batman parked the Batmobile, got out, went and fought the bad guys, came back, and the motherfucker was up on blocks. <laughs> and then he started laughing. Because he's like, yeah. of course it is. I parked it in a fucking in an alley in Gotham. What did I expect? Yeah. He's like, I'm in Brownsville. What the fuck am I supposed to expect? You know, you're, you're, yeah, yeah, dude, they're killing people coming out of the Mark Zorro, all right, for fucking a pearl necklace. You, you think that the Batmobile is going to be safe? You know, and this is before the Batman movies, even before the Tim Burton one. So, I mean, you know, they hadn't come up with all the crazy shit that they have. Now you can't fuck with the Batmobile. You get within 10 feet of it and machine guns pop up and shit. So, you know where your mom got shot? Why are you parking the Batmobile in the same place? (laughs) So, I mean, I get maybe if that's what they were kind of going for. But, yeah, 10-year-old kids. I don't think 10-year-old kids think that way for the most part. Well, there's another big example from not the dialogue, but the actual plot of the movie, which involves, there's only two white people in the movie, right? There's um, uh, Claw, who is a villain, or one of the two villains, and there's, uh, oh, what's his name? Something Everett, the, the FBI agent, who is a good guy. And in order, the, <laughs> in order for Wakanda to overthrow their new tyrant king... And, and beat the bad guys. <coughs> they can't do it without the help of the white guy from the FBI. Like it, It's not just the fact that he's the white guy. Still needs white also, guy's help? That's also, also racist? Also the fact that, he's, that he is an FBI agent. Oh, God. So, are, basically, is this, going to, is this one of those situations where... I, if I start digging into... To, Opinion pieces on this movie, there's going to be the white savior trope thrown out. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, you know... I, I think it's a valid point. I, it, I think it's weird to, to use that. I mean, look, there is, canonically speaking, you know, that the character that uh, Martin Freeman is playing is from, I believe he was uh, 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 Christopher Priest's character that was an FBI agent, a white FBI agent that was working with the Black Panther. And, you know, so they, they didn't just pull this out of nowhere. They just didn't go, well, we need to invent a white character to put in this Black Panther movie that can help, you know, be a hero. But to, to have that be central to the plot of how how they're going to win against the bad guy that that this this african nation needs the help of white people in the fbi to run its government is just really tone deaf see i mean i'm just gonna have to agree to disagree with you because i think 20 years ago people would have looked at it and said Oh, well, this is showing that, you know, if you work together, what you can accomplish. But in the last, specifically the last 10 years, we've been so conditioned to see everything through the prism of identity politics and you're black and you're white and you're gay and you're this and you're that, that it's reshaped how we think of these things. Because, you know, I was thinking about this earlier. When Hancock come out, when I Am Legend come out, when Blade come out, when Men in Black come out, all of the... Well, Wait, Will Smith fan? 
what I'm, what I'm getting at is that, okay, in the Richard Matheson book, I Am Legend, uh, shit, I forget the main character's name, but Will Smith's character in the movie. I don't think they ever say whether he's d- definitively white or black, but I know they don't definitively say he's black. And I don't remember anyone getting butthurt over the fact that a black man was playing that character. I don't remember anyone getting butthurt that it was... Well. It was, it was... But I also don't remember people also doing the other side of the coin either. Oh, Will Smith playing a black superhero. This is great. It's about time. I don't remember any of that nonsense either. Exactly. And, you know, when Men in Black come out, it wasn't, oh, here's the white savior to guide the young, the young, impetuous black man in Men in Black and teach him how to be a proper, you know, Men in Black agent. No, Mm -hmm. it was a mentoring situation. It's what... It's what you would realistically go through if that was a realistic situation. All right, you would need someone who knows the ropes to show them to you. You know, well, and then and and then to dip further into it, there's this rewrite of history now, to where I just read an opinion piece about the Wire, where they say the Wire is, is a bullshit series because it's full of white saviors. Excuse me, have you even watched the Wire? Wow. What white say they use McNulty, Presbelewski, and um oh shit. Valchek. The old fucking Polish ma- the old Polish uh, major. Right. As as the white saviors in that show. All three of those people were showed as completely flawed human beings. Presbelewski, even when he went to go be a teacher, couldn't save any of his students. Dookie ends up a fucking uh, a junkie. Mike ends up a fucking stick-up kid. Uh, Naaman ends up going to live with uh, uh, the, the colonel who legalized drugs in certain areas. Okay, so that had nothing. How's that a white savior thing? And, right. um, oh, shit, I, I forget the other kid's name, but he ended up in a foster home. And, and, and to I, say that, I mean, to, to describe... To, to say that the, the movie is filled with white saviors is completely dismissive of all the strong characters of color in that show. Because if you want to get right down to it, the most natural police in that entire show, the smartest man in that entire show, was, uh, uh, oh, shit. No, not Clay Davis. <laughs> um, fuck, I, I, God damn it. It's, I was in, I was, you know... Uh, the detective that was in fucking property. Oh, bunk? No, not bunk. The detective that was in property for 10 years and four months or whatever. And oh, he ends up, um, he's the one who yeah, sets yeah, up yeah. all the wire shit. He's yes. the one who fucking goes, don't fall. You follow drugs, you find drug dealers, you follow money, you never know where you're going to end up. And he's yeah, the, yeah. he was the mastermind of that entire fucking unit. He was the smartest person on that show. He was the most natural police on that show. McNulty is a natural police. But he's also a fucking narcissist and a fucking uh, a serial cheater and an alcoholic who breaks every rule he can. And he's not going yeah. after drug dealers because he's making the world better. He's pissed because he thinks they're insulting his intelligence by getting away with these crimes. Right. And so, I mean, once again, it's, the re- it's not just how we are conditioned now to view these things. It's the rewriting of history to fit these fucking narratives. And it's the dismissal of facts. Mm-hmm. On top of well, it, and that's what irks me about this shit. Well, sure. Because I, 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 yes, I haven't seen Black Panther, but you know what? It's, it has nothing to do with it being an all-black movie. It has to do with the fact that I haven't seen any but the first Thor. Still haven't. 
I waited until Civil War to even watch anything besides the first Captain America. The only ones I made a point to see was Guardians of the Galaxy and the Avengers movies. I even gave up on Iron Man after Iron Man 2. It was years after Iron Man 3 came out that I saw it. It's just one of those, I'm not in a hurry to go see it. Sure. I, as far as a, a good, enjoyable, fun movie, I would highly recommend it. Um, you know, they were just, I, I don't feel like I, I've been conditioned to respond to certain things. Maybe I have. But I had honest responses to that where I was like, that seems really weird and off-putting. And I, I kind of, you know, I, I wondered, am I being too sensitive or am I looking for, for issues with this movie that just aren't there? And well, if, I mean, if the you, opposite if you want to the- know, like, I, look, I, I would listen to, there's uh, both Mark Bernardin, who I mentioned before, who does the podcast with Kevin Smith. Mm-hmm. He does a round table with, uh, I think, four other uh, black creators or people involved in, in industry or, or uh, uh, I can't remember what, what it is they're involved in, but you know, people that, you know, writers and, and comic book artists and stuff like that and, and people involved in the movie industry. And he has a little round table on that. And also Chauncey DeVega on his podcast talk, talks about this. He actually has two podcasts where he talks about the Black Panther movie. So, I mean, if you want an actual black person's perspective on it, those are two that I would highly recommend. But it wasn't one of those situations where I, I watched the movie it was like, that was great. And then lo- listen to the podcast reviews on it. It was like, oh, wow, I didn't realize how racist that was. Like, this stuff actually stuck out to me while I was watching the movie, enough to, to take me out of the moment. It didn't I mean, ruin I get- the movie experience for me, but it was kind of a speed bump. There was a few speed bumps in there, and they all were kind of r- racial speed bumps. I mean, I, I and I understand what you're saying, because I... I, I- I I found it happening to myself. But then I realized that 20 years ago, I just didn't look at it that way. I just didn't. It, it even 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 ten years ago when I Am Legend comes out came out, like I said, I didn't I didn't look at it mm-hmm. as oh my god they're recasting the lead as a black guy, you know. And I mean, much like okay with the with the Dark Tower, the Gunslinger is specifically said to be white in that series. It is in book two. It is a major plot point. Without giving away spoilers, it's a major plot point. All right. So when they cast Idris Elba, it was like that. No, that's just miscasting. Unless they're going to remove that plot point, then okay, I'm willing. To, I'm willing to give it a shot, even though I think you're basically shooting the story in the foot. And you can tell by how well that movie did that, and the reviews on it. That pretty much anyone who knew the source material said they fucked that movie up, and people that didn't know the source material said that movie hardly made any fucking sense. Right. And so you gotta, I mean, you got to try pretty hard to keep people from going to see an Idris Elba movie. But I mean, I, the opposite end of the spectrum of the white savior trope is the magical Negro trope, right? And it seems like that used to be two extremes. You know, white savior would be uh, an example would be like Dangerous Minds. You know, here comes Lily White, fucking Michelle Pfeiffer to save a bunch of fucking inner city kids. All right, something like that. And the magical Negro trope would be the Green Mile. Well, okay, great, wonderful. But there is a whole fucking spectrum of character 
development between those two things. And what I say we're conditioned is now we automatically go to those two fucking corners, or a lot of people do, the minute they see something like this. Whereas I go, I don't, I'm not, how does, how does your mind work to where you think that first and foremost? Whereas with me, it gets brought up and it's like, oh, all right, I don't see it that way. I never once fucking watched Spawn, whether it be the comic book, the cartoon series, or the movie. Well, I watched the movie and went, boy, they fucked this up. But, you know, the cartoon series and the comic book, and was like, mm-hmm. I can't get into it because it's got a black lead. You know, Spawn's black. No, you know what? This, that wasn't his defining characteristic. He's a spawn. He's a hell spawn. That's his defining characteristic to me. He's a man who at the moment of death, the devil said, if you do my bidding, I'll let you go back and see your people. You can see your wife and your kid. And basically tricked him because he turned him into a fucking hell spawn who's supposed to go out and do the devil's bidding. And it's the struggle between I'm not going to do that and the fact that he was a fucking assassin when he was alive, so it's in his nature to do that. That's where the... That's where the character development comes from. It's not, oh, he's a black superhero. That's so great. Right. Well, I mean, if we're, you, if we're supposed to transcend race, why are we pointing out race every time we get a chance? There's been a, a lot of white actors that were considered in the running to play the, the reboot of the Spawn movie that they're working on. Todd McFarlane has been working for years on trying to get another Spawn movie made. And I... When confronted on the idea of whitewashing this character, <coughs> he basically said, "Look, this this movie isn't really going to even be about Spawn. Like, it, if the the reboot of uh, Spawn that he has in mind is going to be more of like a horror flick, and Spawn's the creature in it, it's not going to be. And certainly, Spawn was not a, a traditional superhero book. You know he." He may look like he's wearing spandex and a mask, but he, he, there was nothing heroic about that character in the traditional Batman or Superman way, you know, truth and justice and operates by a certain code. I would even go so far as to say it was, it was Spawn and probably what Marvel did with Wolverine once uh, Chris Claremont and John Byrne got hold of him, at least, mm-hmm. that pushed Batman from the cartoony type of shit you saw into the more gritty, morally right. ambiguous Batman that everybody fucking knows and loves today. Exactly. You know, the, the anti-hero. Exa- exactly. The, the flawed. That's why everybody loves... That's why That's why people can look, watch The Wire and look at McNulty as a hero. He may be flawed, but, you know, he's he's doing good work. But, I mean, even if you look at... the price at, he pays. Even if you look at the so-called bad guys... See, because I... I watch The Wire, and it's, I, I don't see a lot of heroes, and I don't really see a lot of bad guys. I see people that are fucking moving within mm-hmm. the circles of life that they exist in. Omar doesn't rob fucking civilians. He doesn't, he robs drug dealers. That's what he does. And he constantly says through the first four seasons, a man has to have a code. And if you notice... In the fourth season, when Bunk springs him on the bullshit murder charge, he goes, I did this on one condition. You never go back on the fucking hunt. If I hear about you fucking going back and grabbing your shotgun and going after the Barksdale crew or the Stanfield crew, that's it. I'll fucking throw you under the jail for the rest of your life. And Omar gets one last big score and retires. It's only when they kill Butchie that he comes back and goes back on the hunt. And what happens? 
he gets killed. When he broke his code, mm-hmm. he put himself in a position to get fucking killed. He went back on the hunt. He that's there's there is a parallel between Greek tragedies and the wire that runs through the entire series, and that's one of the that's one of his story arcs, is that when he lived by his code, even though he was breaking the law, he was able to survive. When he broke his own code, he had to pay the price to the gods right. or the universe or whoever the fuck you want to look at it as. Right, whereas McNulty didn't have a code. He just had this kind of existential feeling of justice that he thought would be strong enough to propel him, and it wasn't. Exactly. You know, I mean, one of the, one of the biggest fucking, one of the best lines in the show is when, he, when McNulty gets told, you know, a life, you know, the, the things that happen between investigations, the job mm-hmm. will not save you. And yeah. that's, that's, McNulty's hell is the fact that at the end of the series, he can no longer ever be a cop again, and it's the only thing he's ever been good at. But at the same time, when he's at his best being a cop, he's at his worst as a human being. Mm-hmm. So there's really is it's it's the ending of this whole show is ambiguous. Do, is there redemption for him? Can he even be redeemed? I mean, this is that's that's how come I I, I bristled. So there's it's such a it's like peeling apart an onion that that entire show, and for some fucking douchebag to come in, you know, what sixteen years after it premiered now, and fucking shit all over the show and try to sum it up as it's racist because all these white saviors and that's all I'm gonna say about it. It's like, dude, you're just either being willfully willfully ignorant. Or you are a fucking asshole of epic proportions. And I don't know which one's worse. Because this type of shit is like a fungus. It spreads. It grows. I, I, we're, we're seeing it, you know, I know we don't have a whole lot of time left, but the, you know, the 50-year anniversary of the, uh, 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 the Kerner Commission report on, on race, you know, it's been 50 years since they first did the, the study. Apparently they do it every 10 years. And people are saying now, 50 years after the first study, a year after the Detroit, Newark, all them riots in 67, that this country is at a worse place racially than we've ever been in the last 50 years. And this is from people of all races. And to me, I'm just going, what do you expect when everyone walks around and their defining trait is something that they had nothing to do with, but they go, oh, you look like me as far as skin tone. So there's some connection here, and we got to band together against them. The tribal mentality takes over. And I, as much as I bristle at the thought that really 50 years ago we were, we were living in better racial harmony than now, I think there's a lot more vocal and well, open fucking people who just feel okay to go, yeah, fuck white people. I don't like them. And there's a lot of white people who go, fuck black people. I don't like them either. And so well, what's, what's the end game here? When you're Voluntary not segregation. Them. People can say statements like back to back, you know, my skin color does not define me, and as a white man, I find that offensive. Like, those are contrary ideas. You are letting your skin color define you when you start statements with, as a black man, as a Latino, as a white man, yeah, like as a mother. Le- you are leading with parent, it. As, as anything. Your your viewpoint comes from whatever it is your you consider your position in life as whether it's your skin color your job your your role 
your, your family, I, whatever it is that you, you feel defines you. I just think it's a sad state of affairs that, that we are able to be more connected than we've ever been in the history of humanity, and yet we we pervert it and and distort it and use it as a way to divide ourselves up more than right. possibly we've done since Jim Crow. Well, what, and it's, volunt- I mean, it's voluntary. It's voluntary on everybody's part this time. This is not the government doing this. This is the people doing this to each other. And I mean, the antagonizers on both sides need to be fucking ignored. I'm not saying they need to be silenced. Let them say their shit. Go, okay, whatever, stupid. Roll your eyes and move on. Find someone who's more interested in moving forward. I mean, it's it's like, okay, I'm listening to the story about this this report on NPR and you have one one pastor who's talking, and he's like, "Well, the economic inequality between blacks and whites is getting larger and larger." And this other pastor, she goes, "No, if you want the factual truth, if you want the truth and you want the facts, the economic inequality between the upper class and the middle and lower class all around, fuck racial lines. I mean, I'm obviously paraphrasing, is getting wider, and it it's they're see." It's how they choose to look at it. And once you decide, I'm going to look at it from this point of view, that colors everything you see, no pun intended. If you want to look at it as a racial issue, you will find a way to make it a racial issue. And when you fucking harp on that, and you keep driving that wedge in between people, don't be fucking shocked when people finally take the hint. I mean, we've seen it here in Detroit since the fucking riots 51 years ago. White flight is racist. Gentrification is racist. We don't need the suburbs to come save us, but we need the suburbs to fucking help pay for money, or give us money for the city. What do you... Then, wh- yeah. Stop. Can we all just admit we don't know how to fix the fucking problem and, st- and, and realize whatever we've been doing hasn't been working and come up with some new ideas besides finger pointing? And right. No. Well, I mean, something's been working. Uh, while we may... F- feel like racial tension is at an all-time high. I mean, if if that were true, wouldn't we see more race riots in this country instead of less? You also have a generation that's been raised fucking being told that the very virtue of, you know, being born white means that, you know, they're more privileged than everybody else, so feel guilty about it. So if they want to be a good ally, they have to be a self-hating white person. And to me, I'm just going, why are you taking pride in something you had nothing to do with? Take pride in your accomplishments. Take pride in what type of person you are, not the color of your fucking skin. And I get all the arguments that you know black people were put down for so long, and that's the only thing they had to hold on to. I understand that, but that's fucking not the case today, all right? And don't act like it fucking is in this country. Now, you want to talk about other parts of the fucking world? Yeah, that is the case. And you want to really talk about other parts of the world? There's cases of the pendulum swinging way back the other way. And country, South Africa. South Africa just told all their white farmers, we're taking all your land and giving it to black people. Have a nice one, folks. I mean, can you imagine if that shit happened in the reverse? There'd be sanctions. We're not going to play Sun City Part 2. I mean, it's... it just it makes no sense to me, and I, I, I'm trying real hard to keep my mind from going to where it wants to go because it's just my instinct. Whenever someone t- keeps telling me, you're this, you're this, you're this, you're this, my instinct is to fight back. But 
if I come back at you, you can't fight identity politics with more identity politics. Chris, what did we say last week? You said last week, I don't think the answer to guns is more guns. I don't think the answer to fucking prejudice and racism is more prejudice and racism. I mean, that's that's just not, that gets us nowhere. But I really do feel like we're at a point where, you know, I listen to NPR a lot, and I listen to Detroit Today with Stephen Henderson a lot, and I hear callers call in and say, well, my Detroit don't look nothing like it was when I was growing up. It's too white. And can you imagine if someone called from Westland Garden City and said, well, my Westland don't look like it was when I was growing up. It's getting too black. How the fuck? How is either acceptable? Double standards that we don't want to admit out loud. First step to first step to dealing with the problem is admitting you have one. And, you know, it amazes me because I'm looking at the, the stats in this fucking report People obviously see it. They feel that it's a problem, but they don't want any solutions. The solutions they want is, it, it's fantasy land shit. You know, nerf the world. Everything has to be exactly fair. Equality of outcome. That's just not, that's not realistic. It's not. It, I don't know. Nerf the world. I just, find it, I just find it amazing that, like I said, I, you know, I, and these are conversations that, don't they, they need they, what needs to happen is it needs to stop happening between white people and black people and it needs to be white people and black people having these conversations and they need to stop happening over the fucking internet that's for goddamn sure you need to be able to look the person in the eye you're talking to because the internet just breeds fucking hate it's all it does because it gives you carte blanche to say whatever you want with the immunity of that fucking screen and an internet connection between you and the person you said it to. And I don't, I don't, I, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of people that, the people who are making all the noise about all these issues don't really want an answer to, to, to these solutions, don't want solutions or answers to these problems. They just want to point out problems. Well, because uh, if all you do, if you point out problems, solutions kind of put you out of business. I mean, that's, that's, that's the other reality of this. This is good business for media outlets, this is good business for politicians, this is good business for people who make their money off of people's hate and prejudice and discontent. Don't forget fear and ignorance. That, I mean, yeah, it, it plays a, a, a very large part in it. And it's just, it's tiresome, man. It's tiresome. It's like, really? Can we have a conversation? Can people sit down and talk to each other face to face? And be honest with each other without throwing around every fucking is you're this, you're that, you're this, and actually listen to what the person's saying. I mean, I would under guys think about it. If you grew up in let's say the west side of Detroit, predominantly black neighborhood, you're a black person, you grew up in the west side of Detroit. All of a sudden, you start seeing the ratio shift. And ten years from 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 you know. In the future, the ratio is 50-50. You know, 50% white, 50% black. What 50%, 50% Middle Eastern, 50% black. Whatever. doesn't matter. Just two separate races. I can kind of understand why someone would be like, it's kind of not my neighborhood no more. I understand that on a, on a basic level. But you, have to, but you have to have the enlightenment and be enlightened enough to go. But that really doesn't matter until it presents itself to be a problem, now does it? And I mean, we went over this when we talked about Hamtramck. Used to be a Polish area. Apparently now it's a fucking. It's mostly Middle Eastern. You know the mosque plays. It's like homeland up in up in there. Well, whatever they fucking play. I don't. I don't know what they call it when they have their call to prayer. What that specific music is called. You know. And it's just call to prayer. Okay. That's it. <laughs> I didn't know if I didn't know I didn't know if it was like you know a certain there was a name for it or something. But I mean, once again, 
if I lived in Hamtramck, that wouldn't bother me. It bothered me no more than a noon whistle does. In Westland, every every Saturday at, at, at noon, they, they test the fucking air raid siren. It's just white noise to me. That's it. Hasn't, uh, the people get their nose bent out of joint. Oh, this ain't the Hamtramck I grew up in. Okay, I understand that. People don't, human nature is not to like change, but you're going to have to deal with the reality of it. And I, I just, I really, having listened to what the, the, the segment on NPR about this report, having listened to what people were saying who personally I think fucking do make their fucking bones and their money off the off the backs of fucking keeping people at each other's fucking throats to stir the, to stir the racial shit pot. You know, the problem is that they get to do it and they don't have to lick the spoon. We get to deal with the fallout. Well, yeah, and the reality is if you really care about the city, if you want to stay in the city and want it to be want Detroit to be a better place, you want everybody to move there, right? No matter what their color is. You just need bodies, tax paying bodies at this point. Yes, you need people with money. Doesn't matter what color. People with money who want to pay taxes. And yeah, the time, patronize the, time, the businesses. The time to bemoan the, the, the racial makeup of the neighborhoods in Detroit has came and went. It is fucking DEFCON 5. You need a tax base in there by any means necessary. Yeah, you're down to half a million people. Ten yeah, years geez. ago. Ten so, years ago, it was 750,000. I was just going to say. A quarter, a quarter of their population in ten years. That is a mass exodus. And you can't see, that ain't white flight. Yeah, that's, just no. every, that's, that's everybody at this point. Exactly. So now tell me, tell me, what's working in Detroit? Because school system ain't. Police and fire departments and, and EMS is a fucking joke. Everybody's clearing the fuck out of there. Detroit's emptied out into the suburbs. I mean, so so obviously whatever they've been doing for 50 years, 60 years, whatever, you know, well, yeah, 51 years since the riots, it ain't worked. Yeah, But Rich, I can go to the museum for free and then walk to a Starbucks. <laughs> And then take the people more over in a circle and then get on the queue line and ride back and forth up Woodward. And, yeah. <laughs> and it costs how many millions of dollars and it absolutely does nothing? Yeah, there you go. And it actually has to tend with traffic. Like when I go get lunch when I work out of the Fox. I have to fucking, you have to contend with the queue line in traffic. Um, I, when I was talking to my brother, he said, Can you, how would you sum up Detroit to me? I said, first of all, Detroit has no public transportation worth a shit to speak of. He goes, really? You guys don't have, like, subways or something? I'm like, fuck, no. Oh, my. No, <laughs> no fucking subways <laughs> in Detroit. You got to remember, guys, he's only visited here twice, you know, so. Big three fucking made sure that idea never came to fruition. I'm like, and he's like, well, how often do the buses run? I'm like, once every couple hours. He's like, that's it? Even here in Florida, they run, like, at the most every 30 minutes. I'm like, no, it's once every couple hours in some oh. areas. Dude, I have to. Yeah, I mean, even, like, major like every time I major talk to rose like take a catch a bus on woodward or telegraph or something it's once an hour I, every time you know mandy grew up in jersey new york i mean mass transportation everywhere every now and then you know this, this conversation comes up between me and her and i just have to go motor city like they made sure everyone that ever lives here is gonna have to drive a car for fucking ever the way they built it the the way they did not institute mass transportation yeah, and then so when he asked, and the, and the way goes, that we've been sold cars as a as a, a, a as an idea of personal freedom, as an expression of our personal freedom, is, I mean, it's kind of ingenious. I have well, to he, give it to the big three the same way I do the NRA. Like, 
the mythos around your product that you've cre- helped create is astounding. Well, he said he had went online. He goes, well, you guys got a monorail or an L, you know, an L, don't you? An elevated like train system. I said, no, we have the people. What you saw was the people mover. He goes, what the fuck's the people mover? Like it goes in a circle. Yeah, it goes it in a circle over like six blocks. Yeehaw. I, told him, I, said, I said, this is this is the perfect way to sum up Detroit. The people mover. It goes in a circle for six blocks. It costs fifty cents a ride, but it costs the city five dollars every time you get on. Yeah. <laughs> it operates in a the, fucking deficit. And did it take yeah. like 30 years to build? Oh, I can't remember. I things been around as long as I can remember. I remember when it went off the it went off the tracks that one time back in the day, but you know, it was like, "Oh, the people movers down." I'm like, "Oh god, people are going to have to walk a few blocks." How horrible, right. you know? I mean, so I said that's that's it's just incompetence. It's incompetence on a historical level in this country. And when we we can't even we you know people who aren't in Detroit who are listening to this podcast take a good look at your city better hope what industry props your city up fucking last for until until you you are no longer around sucking wind because if it doesn't this is your future yeah not everybody can be Pittsburgh we went from one of the wealthiest cities in the country to one of the poorest in the span of two generations there are people still around who remember the mansions in the Boston Edison part of Detroit, not being sitting there abandoned and having been stripped of copper, but people living in them. You know, all the shit that, the, all the money that flowed through here because of the auto industry, gone. There's not, there's not even an auto industry that has its headquarters in Detroit anymore. Everything's in the suburbs. I mean, it's just, and it, what's going to save us? Yeah. I think, take a drive down like Cass Corridor. I mean, certainly, uh, when you me, get into uh, the, the, the university area, me, sir, but Midtown. Oh, it's, yeah, it's Midtown now. Yeah, Midtown has actually been developed quite a bit around the, the Wayne State area. But down further south of that, when you get into the city, it's still prostitutes and drug dealers. If you look at a photo of that stretch of the Cass Corridor back in the day, that was fucking Chinatown. That was, you know, thriving businesses and people going down there as a destination to just go and walk around and enjoy the city the same way they, they do in New York. Now it's desolate. Well, shit, I drive up Gratiot when I come home from work. And that is, my dad tells me when I was a kid, shit was the high rent district. Now it's got to check, let's cash it, spend it with the hose on Gratiot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's... it's it's, I, you know, and, and that's what I told him. I said, ultimately, I think Detroit is a very big cautionary tale for a lot of fucking cities in this country, major cities in this country. Mm-hmm. I mean, Pittsburgh saw that steel uh, industry go away, and they jumped on, uh, you know, uh, IT real quick. You know, Pittsburgh was forward thinking, going, uh-oh, the shit that's held right. us up for the last few years uh, kind of going away. But even and, if you look at exactly, Detroit, yeah, that's exactly why we we should be promoting new industries and businesses, and not no, trying but, to prop up you know coal miners and steel producers De- in the U.S. But Detroit did what Detroit does. They're sitting around waiting for a day that's not coming. Oh, the auto industry will be back. We'll be back in a former glory. No, they're gone. They're in Mexico. They're in China. They're somewhere where they're, they're not going to be taxed to fucking it. death. They learn, yeah, like any company, that when they experience a disruption, they either die or they learn to adapt to the new reality. But it, but it was... They don't, 
they don't immediately go back and go buy up all the buildings that they once populated 20 years ago and put all that business back where it was. Yeah, ex- no, they have a new infrastructure now. Exactly. This is the part of Detroit we were talking about, the Midtown part, the part that's been highly developed in the last 10 to 15 years. You got all the people with the same attitude down there, like, you know, talking about don't tear down these buildings. These are our history, this, this, and that. Waiting for a day that's not coming. What? Somebody's going to show up, buy everything, restore it to its former glory? No. It's the old shit. New shit's got to come in. Otherwise, you end up bankrupt in 2012. Yep. And, and one of, the, one of the, the most telltale signs is the fact that even as bad as cities like Baltimore and D.C. are as far as the racial divide, Baltimore is still pretty much 60-40. The 60 being black, 40 being white and, you know, Hispanic and whatever. That's Detroit is not that. Detroit is like 80-some percent black. It is literally the most, we are the most segregated area maybe outside of Boston, I think, in this country. Like we, we it is, it, growing up, when we were born, it was just a given. If you're white, you're most likely from the suburbs. If you're black, you're most likely from the city. That was just, it's just the way it is, you know. And look at, look at what, look at what harping on race, letting people like Coleman Young come in, take your white ass back across eight mile. We don't need you, you whiteies sticking your nose in our business. And then the suburbs going, keep your dark asses in the fucking, you know, on that side of Telegraph. We don't want you in our neighborhoods and our schools. Look at what that's done. How now you're going to tell me? And this is this is the this is the agenda the the so-called progressive left is pushing. They want more of that. They want more of identity politics and let's divide ourselves up along lines. Let's pay atten- let's focus on what makes us different instead of what uh, ways we're all the same. Well, hope you like guys like Trump. Cuz when he's gone, someone worse will show up. Because that's really, that's, I mean, we've talked about that Trump. Trump I don't even know what that looks like. Is it a human? Yeah, I know, right? Well, we talked about it. He's the manifestation of the pushback. <laughs> it, Trump's going to Trump's gonna get, he's going to get reelected in 2020. And then Pence is going to run. Pence is going to win. And he's just going to go, okay, so I'm president now. After he swears in on the Bible. And he's going to unzip his human <laughs> suit and just be a giant lizard and be like, worship your new overlords. And we're going to be like, oh, fuck. I, I had a... a I had a terrifying thought the other day. I was watching. It might have been. It was probably uh, John Oliver. Which, by the way, wow, he is just starting strong. By the way, um, oh, I forgot he's back. I oh, oh man, his first two. Man, he has just come out of the. Just I gotta catch up. Just strong. But anyways, watch someone Donald Trump Jr. Just all of a sudden, just went, holy fuck, that guy could possibly be president one day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then I rolled another joint and went, I gotta get that thought on my head. <laughs> well, this is terrifying. We gotta kill that thought. People with. We gotta get the. Can, is, is there some brain bleach? Can we use that? <laughs> we, we, thought, we thought the Bush and Clinton family passing the presidency around was bad. Then the Trumps got involved. Yeah. Hey, maybe, maybe, maybe Ivanka would be your first lady president, everybody. <laughs> Yeah, it'll be it'll be it'll be Eric, it'll be uh, Eric, Ivanka, and by the time we get to Tiffany, there'll be nothing for her to fucking rule. Yeah, but you know she'll be elected somehow. <laughs> by the time we get to Tiffany, the singularity will happen. <laughs> All right, so 
Yeah, we'll just short sweet it, you know. You know where to on the Twitter. You hit us up at unregimented pod. Uh, email us at unregimented at ChristopherMedia.net. Make sure if you like it, tell somebody. Please and thank you. You can always go to ChristopherMedia.net, click on the leave a review button, it takes you right to the Christopher Media uh, provider page in uh, Apple Podcasts, and you can rate there, but that's not the only place you can rate it, because that's how you help people out. I mean, I'm in day and age now of whenever I do anything unknown, whether I'm getting a contractor or ordering a pizza, I'm looking at reviews if I've never used it before. So, kind of goes the same thing with podcasts. So. Yep. White people like snitching so much, they invented Yelp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to take you yes. off track. No, but there's the high note we can go out on. So we'll just say we'll see you next week. <laughs> see ya. Later, guys. <laughs>